Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, you are tuned into what we call a fusion episode of the ODPH because usually we split it up for the week. We do one that's all sports and pro wrestling, and the other one is movies, TV, comics, and more, known as the Entertainment Edition. Well, unfortunately, due to real-life scheduling, we only had time to do one this week, but fear not, we're still bringing you all the topics you know and love that we do each and every week in one episode and, Pat, if they want to find out more, where do they go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the website, and there's a lot going on there this week. A T Public sale is going on currently, so if you want to get some ODPH swag, and you know you do, with a new month, it means new gear. That's what I'm just saying. Putting that karma out in the world. The Patreon link, which a new episode just dropped, so one tier, $2 a month, and so much more. The directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on? Oh, 426,000. Sounds about right. Pat is the statistician for this, so I lose track, but he is on point with this. So if we're not on your favorite podcast player, I don't know where you're hearing us from, but we definitely do appreciate it. Drop a five-star review and a subscribe wherever you're at. All of that, the directory, which has friends, uh, the classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, Dragon Master Games. There's so much, I mess up the intro quite often. That's why I always say, just go over to odphpodcast.com, and always remember on social media to use the hashtag odphpod. Kicking off this edition of the show, there is a lot, and I mean a lot of news coming with the NFL this week. Yeah, just a few. Just a few, to put it mildly, but one big trade has happened and is kind of overshadowing the one of the biggest events of the year, I would say. Mm-hmm. I would say the biggest one in the preseason. I think that's very debatable, I think. It's it's fairly large, but it's not massive. Right, but, it, but it's one that's always thrown in an argument. And that is the NFL draft, which we'll get to in just a bit because that is going to be taking place starting this Thursday as we record. But a deal has finally been done mm-hmm. that we have been long speculating about, and one door is closed, another has opened. Pad, what is the move that happened this week? That is Aaron Rodgers finally getting traded from the Green Bay Packers to the New York Jets. Let's break it down. Yeah, so uh, reading from an article on CBSNews.com, it says, quote, it seemingly took forever, but it is now a done deal. After weeks of posturing on both sides, the Jets and Green Bay Packers on Monday completed the trade that sends four-time NFL MVP Aaron Rodgers to New York. ESPN first reported the Jets will receive Rodgers, the number 15 overall pick, and a fifth-round pick in 2023. The Packers will get the number 13 overall pick, a second-round pick, and a sixth-round pick this year, and a conditional 2024 second-round pick that becomes a first-round pick if Rodgers plays 65% of the plays during the upcoming season. Close quote. How are you feeling about that? Well, let's just say uh, in terms of the most stacked div- uh, division in the NFL in terms of quarterbacks, I think we got to go with the AFC East because that is a murderer's row of quarterbacks between Josh Allen, Tua Tagovailoa, Aaron Rodgers, and Mac Jones. Uh, listen, I hate any division that's got to play them in consecutive weeks. Uh, but no, I mean, for the Jets, listen, on paper, I think it's good, but 
time will tell. I mean, everyone thought the Brett Favre to the Jets deal would be pretty good for them, and that didn't really work out. You know, he was only there for, what, the one year, and then he, or maybe two years, whatever it was, and then he was gone. Rodgers, without looking up the dates, I, I think he's slightly younger, although not much, than when Brett went over to the Jets. You know, it's, it's a system he's familiar with. It's some players he's familiar with. You know, Alan Lazard is over there now. You know, so we'll see what happens. You know, for the Jets... And, and the Jets fans, because Christ knows they've gone through some shit over the years, I would hope for some success. I'm not expecting a Super Bowl out of them by any means, just because that division, you're, we're going to beat the hell. You, you and I being, a, you being a Bills fan, me being a Patriots fan, I think we all agree we're going to beat the holy hell out of each other this year. Mm-hmm. And just coming out of the AFC in general is, is not going to be easy because let, let's just even <clears throat> get out of the East. <clears throat> Excuse me. Where you've got Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, you know, you've got Baltimore with, let's just assume for... We'll just say for argument's sake. We'll just say for argument's sake, Lamar Jackson's going to be there. Okay, so that's tougher, tougher and shit. You got uh, Trevor Lawrence down in, in Jacksonville. You've got Russell Wilson, who could he have a bounce back year in Denver? Maybe. You know, who's to say? Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, the Las Vegas Raiders with all their moves. Plus, you've got uh, Justin Herbert over with the Chargers. It's not an easy conference to come out of. This is a very split topic, in my opinion. Sure. Because I think you have to look at it for both sides, and that's Green Bay and then the Jets. Mm -hmm. For Green Bay, we had an idea this move was going to happen for quite some time. Oh, sure. It's been well documented on many social media, press releases, etc., there has been problems in Green Bay throughout the years. Yeah. And most recently, with with the GM that took over that... Went in a different direction than Aaron Rodgers wanted to go in. Obviously, getting Jordan Love as a quarterback in the first round a few years back did not set well with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, statistically. Mm -hmm. So there has been problems there for a while, and it's now been boiling over to a point that something had to be done. Mm Mm-hmm. We've seen Aaron Rodgers, I don't want to say decline, but we have seen that Father Time is slowly starting to catch up to him a little bit. I'll say the uh, slope of his career is trending downwards. Right. So the Jets making a move at this situation, I think, is good and bad. But for Green Bay, I thought they made the right deal at the right time. Mm -hmm. Albeit, though, I'm not sold on Jordan Love as a quarterback no. I think that there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding him. Uh-huh. I don't think that if I'm a Packers fan, I'm feeling super excited about him Yeah. yet, but he could be a surprise. Like That's the one thing. I'm not saying he's a bust by any means, but there's a lot of uncertainty coming from him, mm-hmm. and we haven't seen that much to really make a decision on him. Right. But that being said, I think with the draft picks they got from the Jets, and they did get a quite a very big haul. Mm-hmm. I think the Packers will be okay for where they are in their division. We have to take a look. Detroit will be hanging tough this season with the rest of the NFC period. Yes. I think that they went very under the radar uh, last season. They almost got into the playoffs. Had they had a better percentage of closing mm-hmm. games, Yeah, they would have probably made a deep run in the playoffs. I'm just putting it out there. They're but, trending in the right direction. Yeah, but they can hang with anybody in that in that conference, let alone that division. Minnesota is... A coin flip. Yeah. Logistically, who? what team is going to show up each week? We don't mm-hmm. know. The Bears are improving, but they're not there yet. A couple years away. 
Uh, yeah, I would I would say that's a couple a, years and a couple pieces. Statement. Yeah, I would agree with that. So Green Bay could definitely contend this year and might sneak out that division, maybe. Yeah. But but it, there's a lot of uncertainty. But they are building for the future. That's why they made this move. The Jets, on the other hand, have not had a great quarterback there in quite some time. Right, and I don't think they've won the division since 2010. Yeah, since the last time of Rex Ryan, I believe. Rex Ryan, and then it was also the year uh, Brady, I think it was the year Brady was out because he got his ACL blown out game one of the year. Mm -hmm. The Jets have really struggled to find an identity offensively. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about their woes at quarterback. Sam (laughs) Sam Darnold, Zach Wilson. I'll say people like to joke about the uh, carousel of quarterbacks that the Cleveland Browns have had over the years, and there's that famous jersey with all the names Mm -hmm. next to it. You could probably do one about as long for the Jets. Oh, absolutely. And rightfully so, because every time they've gone into the draft to find the next leader of that offense, they failed. Sorry. It's yeah. it's an honest fact. Yeah. You take a look at Zach Wilson, and we even said on the show, like, they were stretching to go get him. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry. just I'm, my opinion, I never saw him being a successful pro. No. Sam Darnold has the physical prototype that NFL higher-ups love. But then again, what has he done in college? That's the question you have to ask. Right. And the Jets rolled the dice with him. And, listen, and I understand why they made those moves at those times, because you have to tell your fan base we're trying. And they did. But I think now with the current regime in place, they are at least in a lateral position to the Packers. With Bryce Hall coming back healthy from a knee injury, Mm -hmm. that's an upgrade for what Rodgers had in Green Bay, in my opinion. Right. But if you take a look at the wide receiver core, there really isn't a name out there that screams... We're going to the Super Bowl. So I'll read through the current depth chart uh, for the New York Jets as listed by ESPN.com. So you mentioned Brees Hall coming back as running back. They've also got Zonovan Knight and Michael Carter listed as their second and third string running backs, respectively. And then for wide receivers, Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, and Alan Lazar are listed as the starting uh, wide receivers. Also, they've got McCole Hardman Jr., Malik Taylor, Denzel Mims, Deontay Spencer, and then Irvin Charles as uh, some of their backup wide receivers. And then for tight ends, they've got a uh, Tyler Conklin listed as their starter, CJ Uzma, Kenny uh, Yoba, and then Jeremy Rucker listed as their second, third, and fourth strings, respectively. And then the only fullback they've got listed on the site here is a gentleman by the name of Nick Bauden. Yeah. So, like, a couple, like, yeah, okay, not bad, but, like, it's not exactly going to be, holy shit, this is stacked as, all oh, fuck. Well, like I said, with Hall, that's the one bright spot in that offense. Yeah. I And everybody else is substantial. I'll say, Nicole Hardman, I think, is no more for, like, that's the one name that jumps out to me, because with his time with Kansas City, I want to say. Mm-hmm. He was more known for, like, the special team stuff than actual wide receiver. Right. So, taking a look at the rest of the team, like I say, there's nothing on the offensive side of the ball that screams, like, Rodgers is the final piece to get him over to the Super Bowl. Right. I mean, they're going to be relying, I think, a lot on their defense, which is, you know, good for Rodgers because obviously I don't think the the prowess is there as it used to be. Can he still throw the ball as good as anyone? Yes, but mm-hmm. we've seen some drop off, you know, but I think and I think what's going to help him is having a defense that might be able to hold some games for him where look at the Packers teams he'd had, you know, the last five, ten years. When have any of those Packers defenses been memorable? 
Yeah, that's the whole or, or even notable. That's the whole point. Like they haven't been. Like I say, this has been more of a lateral move on the sense of the offensive side. Right. The defense is very the, much an upgrade. The defense is an upgrade, especially it, what especially helps is the head coach there, Robert Salah, is a defensive minded head coach. Yeah. And he's gonna stay out of Rogers' way. Rogers can audible as much as he wants. Right. The offensive coordinator is one he worked with in Green Bay previously. Yeah, so there's an understanding of what Rogers is bringing to the table. The only question I have at this stage is how bad does Rogers still want to win? And that's something that we've seen, in my opinion, some very suspect offseason behavior. Yeah. Obviously, <laughs> the, uh, uh, shall we say... Extracurriculars? Yeah, the extracurriculars uh, have been uh, questionable, to uh, say the, at least. The consumption. Yeah, the consumption of the... Um, mushrooms? Yes, uh, to put it mildly. Uh, you know, uh, the uh, the unofficial mushrooms or whatever they're called. Uh, yeah. I know the name escapes me. Ayahuasca. Thank you. I always butcher that, so I'm not even trying to say that anymore. But between that, then him going to sit in darkness for four days. For four straight days. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's yeah. there's a lot of concern for me as a fan of football of how much does he still want this. Because there was even talk that he was retiring. Right. So. Well, even he even said himself, on the like you said, on the Pat McAfee show that, you know, when he ultimately decided, when he went into this four-day darkness retreat, and you can go back and look it up. Mm-hmm. He was 90% leaning towards retirement. Yeah. And then something happened in this four-day darkness retreat where he decided to come back. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing. So if things go south quickly, is he going to say, you know what, I'm leaving? Mm-hmm. And that's something that if I'm the Jets, I would be concerned about legitimately. Right. Because where he's at now, he's accomplished everything you could ask for as a quarterback. Pretty much, yeah. And if he takes the Jets to the Super Bowl, I mean, that is a huge story in itself. Right. And he would be a legend in New York. Uh, and you can't take that away, the appeal from that. No. But you have to go back to what Pat said earlier, too. You're not exactly going into the NFC North 2.0. No. You're going into the AFC East, which you have Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, who are Super Bowl contenders. Mm-hmm. You have a Miami team that on paper should be, but it all depends on where is at as a quarterback and with the new additions to the team, how well they mesh together. Mm-hmm. And then there's always the Patriots. Right. Which, as long as Belichick's still at the helm, are going to contend. This is not an easy road to get to where you want to be. Right. And I think you also have to consider Cincinnati got better with yeah. Joe Burrow yeah. as quarterback, obviously one of the elite quarterbacks in the league. You have to take a look at if Lamar Jackson is still with Baltimore, they're going to contend. Right. Cleveland, on paper, should contend. Right. And then looking at the <clears throat> AFC West, you have Justin Herbert and the Chargers, who, well, flip the coin, and we'll see what shows up that week. Yeah. You have Kansas City, which still has Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Yeah. You have a Raiders team that's only going to get better and in, have made smart moves. In theory. What you would think, but we'll touch upon that a little more when we get to talking about the draft. This is not exactly the road you want to go to at this stage in his career, in my opinion. The other concerning thing for me is his age, because I looked it up. He's 39 years old. His birthday's in December, so by the time we hit towards the end of the season, he'll turn 40. Mm -hmm. You don't get faster and quicker as you get older. You start to slow down a little bit, and it starts to hurt a little bit. And, and, And just in the AFC East alone, you know your defense well. I know my defense well. They got a couple of guys on both of those defense that like to bear down on quarterbacks. I'm yeah. thinking Von Miller. I'm thinking Matthew Judon, just to name a few. Yeah. That like to eat quarterbacks alive. Not to mention the fact that, oh, by the way, Pittsburgh is there. Oh, by the way, 
Baltimore is there. Oh, by the way, Kansas City and the Raiders are there with with their defenses. But I mean, I'm looking at the let's pull up the Jets schedule for this year. Uh, see if it's out yet. No, no, it's not out yet. So I'll have to look up who they're facing this year. But that's the thing that concerns me is Aaron Rodgers is 39 years old of the wear and tear where. Listen, it's not a shot against any of the other teams in the NFC North, but they weren't exactly pressuring him. Right. That's you know, because I, I remember because when he was in Green Bay and the luster of, oh, it's Green Bay, it's the Packers. Packers games were on a lot mm-hmm. nationally in the later games here. So I, I've, I've seen my fair share of Green Bay Packers games where I remember there were times, especially playing the NFC North, where he dropped back to pass. And he could have filled out three years of tax returns in the amount of time they were his offensive line was giving him to throw. Yeah, I mean, there hasn't been a lot of threats to him from getting to the playoffs in that division. He now has them at the later stages of his career. Mm-hmm. I think it was a bad move on his part. Like, I understand why the Jets did it. The Jets needed to do something. Oh, sure. And I, if I were them, I would have gone for Lamar Jackson, to be honest with you. I would have worked out some deal there because at least – he has a few more years left. Right. Rodgers at this stage, you just don't know. And I think mm-hmm. there's a lot more to be concerned with uh, as far as where he's at and where his body is going to hold up physically. Right. That I could see him literally going two and four to start out the season. And he says, I'm out. So I pulled up. This is a uh, from the New York Jets website uh, where it lists their opponents for this year. So for home opponents, they've got the Washington Commanders. Bum, th- bum, 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 bum. Philadelphia Eagles, Atlanta Falcons, the uh, Las Vegas Chargers, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, Houston Texans, Buffalo Bills, Miami Dolphins, and New England Patriots. And then for away games, they've got the Dallas Cowboys, New York Giants, Denver Broncos, Cleveland Browns, Las Vegas Raiders, and then the Bills, Dolphins, and Patriots. Yeah. I mean, it's not an easy road. Those are not walk-in-the-park defenses with the exception of maybe Atlanta and maybe Houston. Yeah. No, those should should be two easy wins. Let's be honest about that. But the Vegas Raiders are going to give them fits. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where everybody else is in there, too. Like I say, Vegas, I think a lot of people are sleeping on this year. I just want to point that out. But, like I say, we'll get into that a little later. I think, though, he's just going to have problems, like, wherever he's going. And I don't think this offense is really built for him. Right. But if you're the Jets, you got you got to be excited about the move, and this will at least buy you some time. I mean, we'll see how the offense ends up working. I mean, it, like we said, it's the offensive coordinator he's familiar with, so it's a it's going to be a playbook he's familiar with. So he's not going to come in here having to learn all these new terms, all these new phrases, all this new and, and that. I think the biggest issue, and this is where I think Alan Lazard is going to come in to help, is teaching all of these all of the other guys who have been there a couple of years, having them learn a new system. You know, the mm-hmm. the Corey Davises, the Brees Halls, you know, and and whatnot. The, like having them learn an all new system. Where hey, if if he's smart. They hit the ground running, and they meet in California or wherever the hell it is he he lives, and start practicing now and get ahead of the eight ball because I think that's going to be the biggest issue for them. Is Alan Lazard is going to be fine, yeah, you know, because Alan Lazard is going to be familiar with the systems and the play calls and the and the audible cues and whatever else. But if they don't hit the ground running on this, and some of these guys are slower to pick up the new playbook for whatever reason, mm-hmm. that's what's going to set them back. Yeah, so that's something they got to look forward to. And it's going to be a challenge. Like I say, yeah. I, the the only question, just to kind of close things off with this, is it's a good move for the Jets. It's not a great move. Right. And there's a lot of uncertainty because right now there's the honeymoon phase. He's coming to New York. The Jets fan base is excited. But is the expectations too high? Mm-hmm. And I feel they are. I think they're expecting the Aaron Rodgers of old. 
but except you're getting right. an old Aaron Rodgers. Right. And I think that now you're going to have to really see what your team is made of, mm-hmm. and you're going to see how he can hold up with one of the toughest divisions in all of football, right. and let alone the, the toughest conference in all of football, too. It's like when Michael Jordan came back. Were Washington Wizards fans real excited to get Michael Jordan on their team? Absolutely. Sure. But was it Michael Jordan during any one of the two three-peats? No. Yeah. Like I was saying, is he going to just have a decline and, and come out the gate cold? Probably not. But you never know. Probably not, but hey, that's why they play the game. You don't know. Exactly. You have to see as the season moves on. So this could be the last great run for Aaron Rodgers, or it's already out of gas. But swear to God, if he goes to Minnesota after this year, I'm going to laugh hysterically. Oh, my God. Yeah, following Favre's footsteps. Uh, As much as he he hated him. Yeah. Like I say, that would just be the biggest irony in sports history, in my opinion. Mm Mm-hmm. But we'll have to wait and see how this all shapes up when the season kicks off. But right now, Aaron Rodgers is with the Jets. It's, you know, grade-wise, I, I give a better one to Green Bay. But sure. that's how you can upgrade a lot of things going into what we're going to talk about next. And, Pad, what is that? That is the NFL draft. Yes, it is the really defining moment, I would say, for a team right before the season kicks off. Mm-hmm. Because the draft, which is now stretching out over four days, like how crazy is this? That's insane. To think where it started once, and I've been to the draft in person, and it is an insane moment for your team because it literally makes or breaks you for years to come. Mm-hmm. And now is starting, like I say, it's over three days technically, but they do compile a lot. But honestly, it feels like four because you have to recap a lot that goes down because round one kicks off Thursday night, as we uh, had mentioned this week, and I'll be on 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, ESPN, NFL Network, ABC, like there's a lot of coverage. Mm-hmm. Friday is rounds two and three at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and rounds four through seven, it starts at Saturday at noon. And like I say, the draft is where teams reload players and can really develop superstars of the futures, or if you make the wrong selection, it can really halt your franchise for years to come. It's a crazy thing to think about, but this is honestly how it goes down down Mm -hmm. so what pat and i are going to do as we always have done here on the odph is we break down the top 10 picks uh via draft order and then obviously we'll shout out our teams and then obviously you listening wherever you are in the world let us know your team picks and hit us up on that hashtag and we want to know who you think you're taking in the in the rounds you're in we want to definitely know what your vibe is going into this so pad that being said on the clock via a monster trade with uh the chicago Chicago Bears, bears yeah is the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, so this is a team that needs, honest to God, everything plus the kitchen sink. You know, they had Zach, or not not Zach Wilson. Or was it Zach Wilson? I forget. They had the, they had the quarterback who used to be with the Jets. Oh, Darnold. Darn, thank you. They had Sam Darnold. They had Cam Newton. They had you and I allegedly at one point. Coach Duffy was playing for him too. Coach Duffy. But they, they need a lot. I mean, their current starter is Andy Dalton, and I think that'll be the case for the start of the season. Uh, you know, they got Adam Thielen, they got Adam Thielen there in the offseason uh, via free agency. You know, not they, honest to God, they ain't got much else. You know, D, DJ uh, Chark or Clark uh, is their wide receiver. Uh, but I think they're going to listen. Andy Dalton is fine, but it, listen, at this point in his career, he is not a long term starter. He is a bridge, he is a, a middleman to help you get to your quarterback of the future. And I think that's what the Carolina Panthers have done. Uh, the head coach in the front office there have come out and said that they're pretty unanimous in who they're going to take. They already know who it's going to be. And I think it's ultimately going to be Bryce Young, the quarterback from Alabama, taken at the number one overall position. 
I agree with you. I think Bryce Young is going to be the quarterback taken first off the board. I think Carolina is in love with him. The only thing that I find very skeptical is when you come out of Alabama as a quarterback, the success ratio in the NFL has not been great. We'll say the batting average is below 500. Right. I mean, Tua was the last one, in my opinion, to come out that really was showing signs of promise to break that curse. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, he's well, had... there was Max rookie year, too. Well, Mac, yeah, but... I mean, rookie or sophomore year. But for yeah. where you're taking that high, too. Like, that's the one thing about this sure. that I'm going with. Because when sure. you're in the first round, sure. you're expected to be the starter, the savior of the franchise, so to speak. Mac, the jury is still out. Sure. Tua, like I said, was showing signs of promise when he finally got in there. And Tua meeting. got done dirty. Yeah, but unfortunately, with last season setbacks with injuries... His progress has been halted. I'm hoping he has a full, healthy recovery and to really see what he's got. But I, in this situation with Bryce Young, I think it's a smart move for Carolina. I'm not in love with really any quarterback coming out. Yeah, no, I don't. To me, it's not even that great of a draft class for no, for quarterbacks. No, I don't think it is either. So, but I understand why Carolina is doing this because you have to rebuild your franchise somewhere. That's where they're going with this. So Bryce Young makes a lot of sense. I just don't know long term if he's really going to be the guy to get them on the winning track for years to come. Mm-hmm. But we have to wait and see how he shapes up. Yeah. Next up. Next up is the Houston Texans, who at the number two overall pick, who, much like the Carolina Panthers, need everything and the kitchen sink. Uh, in the offseason, they brought in uh, Dalton Schultz from Dallas at the tight end position, uh, among some other picks I'm sure uh, they did, some free agent pickups they did. Uh, that's kind of the big one, but I think for these guys, you know, like I said, I'm not real in love with the, they need a quarterback. Davis Mills, he's fine, mm-hmm. but he's not, you know, ultimately every team in the NFL wants to win a Super Bowl. Do I expect to hear at the end of the NFL season and your 2023 NFL Super Bowl MVP Davis Mills. If you're thinking that, please turn off your PlayStation or Xbox. Yeah. Uh, you know, but so I, I think they'll stick with him, though, for this year, just because, listen, the quarterback class is nothing sexy and none, and none of them really scream. That's the guy. That's the future MVP. That's the future Super Bowl winner. That's the future at multiple uh, Super Bowl winner. So I think what they're ultimately going to do is they're going to look at some of their offensive needs. And, and I think, you know, they need wide receivers. They need running backs. They need everything. They need everything. But I think what they're going to do is go with the running back from Texas, uh, Bijan Robinson. That would be a smart pick. I I could see them doing that. I mean, the problem is Houston just has so many issues that need addressing. Like, that's the one thing with this team. Their pick is more or less wide open. But I do agree with you. They need a quarterback. And I have seen a couple places that are mentioning this Will Lewis, or Livis, I should say, uh, from Kentucky, who I did not have on my board. I'll I'll be very honest with you. He has come out of nowhere. Because for some reason, he screams Mitch Trubisky. Oh, God. The Maserati. Now, could he turn into the Maserati? Sure. I mean, I don't know. But it's something about him that just screams like it's Trubisky hype. There's always at least one, sometimes two, in every NFL draft that, like, top 10, top 5, top 15 – comes out of nowhere from like not one of the major football mm-hmm. schools that you would think of. So so not the Alabamas, the LSU's, Clemson's, you know, USC, UCLA, but like Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky. That you're like, where the fuck? What? What? And, yeah. and there's always at least one. Yeah, so I I got this weird feeling he winds up in Houston. I will say this, if he doesn't get taken at number 2, okay. He's going to Indianapolis. Like he, one of those two teams is taking him. I'm just going to say 
the the hype around him lately and everywhere I've gone in social media and, and sports shows I listen to keeps saying like teams are falling in love with him. And the, when I see him, I legit think when Mitrubisky came out. Right. And I was like, listen, we fall back to the Sam Darnold prototype that NFL quarterbacks <laughs> love. Yeah. Like if you're over six foot three and you're 225 pounds, like and you're semi mobile. Yeah. And teams rave about you as the, as the prototype. Yeah. I see that he fits the, the, the mold for this, but sure. I, but I, I also look at like, what did you win in college? Right. That's the thing we say. That's the thing we said after last year's draft was Zach Wilson, when he got taken so high by the, yeah. Jets, by the jets, it's like, okay, we looked up his stats and his stats at, at BYU were great, but it's fucking BYU. Like, are you really playing the top tier echelon of the college football, you know, prospects, the, you know, the, the guys that you know are going to go to the NFL draft because much like that, that commercial they did a couple of years ago, not every athlete's going to go pro, you right. know? So I don't think, I don't think he was playing the top tier echelon guys at BYU. Well, listen, that's not a slight to their conference, but BYU ain't exactly you, you know, in USC territory or like a Penn state territory or like a Florida or anybody in the sec where like, you're getting punched in the teeth every week when you're playing your conference games. Mm-hmm. You know, where you're getting tested and you're going up against guys that you're probably going to go up against in a couple of years if you go pro. Yeah. So obviously your numbers are going to look sexy. You're better than all these guys. Yeah. So I think Houston is going to take Levis up there. Like, I just, I don't love the pick because if I'm them, I would go to more of a sure thing. Sure. Like I say, I agree with your pick about the running back from Texas. But I just don't see them doing it for whatever reason, unless they want to go get somebody later. I just have this feeling they're going to take him second because okay. I think people are just buying into too much of his hype, and I just I I don't see it. But you know, I'll I'll see when he actually gets on the field. But I'm going to sure. say Levis goes too. Sure. Next up uh, is the Arizona Cardinals with the number three overall pick, and I don't think they're going to go offense with this pick. I think listen, they got Kyler Murray, James Conner, DeAndre Hopkins for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll wait and see on that one. Uh, Marquise Brown, Rondell Moore, Zach Ertz, and their offense. I think their offense is is pretty well set. You know, just depends on what happens with DeAndre Hopkins, whether he stays, whether he goes. We'll see. So I think they're going to go something. I think they're going to go defensive because. Lord knows that defense needs uh, some work on work done on them. They'll finish four and thirteen last season. So I think what they're going to ultimately end up doing is going with Will Anderson Jr., the outside linebacker from Alabama. I agree, Pat. I'm fully with you on this. Uh, obviously, the DeAndre Hopkins uh, drama is still unfolding as we're recording. Rumor has it they'll either be between Kansas City and Buffalo, and that should be breaking uh. out in between. Uh, podcasts Ugh. i know pad's not happy hearing that I'm i not... was real happy when there was a prospect of him going to new england and then other teams got involved and i wasn't happy yeah i i i've been hearing a lot and i'm not uh, saying this just being a bills fan but no, I, I no i understand yeah yeah which i i just think he is going to get moved and i think arizona can go get somebody later to replace him but i i do agree with that. i think the defense they need they need an identity really and i don't think they've had one obviously they've lost a few people in the free agency i think anderson makes a lot of sense Obviously, in the division they're in with whoever's going to be at the helm of the 49ers, Geno Smith with Seattle, and then, you know, whatever is going to go on with the Rams, because that's mm-hmm. that's still a question mark up in the air. <clears throat> I think that this is one that makes a lot of sense because they have to really establish something. Sure. So for me, Anderson makes it makes the, all the sense in the world. Sure. Uh, next up is the Indianapolis Colts with the number four overall pick in this year's draft. 
And again, you know, these are these are another one of those teams that need a quarterback. You know, Gardner Minshew listed as their starting quarterback. They've also got Nick Foles there. Uh, Sam Ellinger is their third string starter, or third string starter. But you know, their rest of their offense, I'd say it's it's pretty well decent. You know, you got Jonathan Taylor there, who. Yeah, listen, enough said. Yeah. Uh, Zach Moss, the former Buffalo Bill, I want to say. Yep. Uh, over there as another one of their running backs. Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce, Isaiah McKenzie, uh, also there at their wide receiver. You know, tight end might need an upgrade, but you can get that later. I, I can't tell you the last time I saw a tight end taken in the first round, to be honest. Uh, but again. The, Kyle Pitts, Atlanta. Yes, that's true. Thank you. Uh, but again, this draft, this draft class for quarterbacks is nothing sexy, and I think you can do fine. Listen, you can get a guy later in the, in the draft. I don't think any of these, you know, top five, top three, whatever quarterbacks in this draft or anything like you got to reach and go for. I think if they want to wait later, see what happens in, in preseason with the, whoever they pick later as a quarterback is fine. I think between Minshew and Foles, that'll serve a shift for the year and, and look and see where you can go from there. Maybe next year's will be better. So with that said, I think they're going to have to go defensive because, again, much like the Arizona Cardinals, uh, they uh, they finished 4-12. The Colts finished 4-12-1. and So need a lot of work on defense. What I think they're ultimately going to go with is Tyree Wilson, the defensive end from Texas Tech. Solid pick there. Uh, I, I'm going to say, though, I, this is where they're going to get Stroud from uh, Ohio State. I think I, I know a lot of draft sites are saying he's falling out of the top 10. Mm. I just have this weird sinking suspicion he gets taken here because I think what Indianapolis is going to do, I mean, let's face it, Jonathan Taylor is their offense. Yeah, They need something to give them a spark because obviously they are the most boring team in all of football. They're fundamentally sound. They're textbook to the core. Run, 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 pass when you need to. Mm-hmm. I think Stroud fits this a little better. Um, but like I say, if Levis falls this far, this is where that's where the he stops. Okay. So I do think they're going to start their rebuilding at a quarterback. Obviously, the free agency that they've done over the past few years has not worked out in their favor. But they're another team that could use a lot of help because, like I say, they're just so steady on both sure. sides. It just doesn't scream we're good enough to get to the playoffs. And like I say, Jonathan Taylor is in the prime of his career. Getting a rookie quarterback with a seasoned running back, I think makes all the sense in the world. Mm -hmm. Next up is the Seattle Seahawks with the number five overall pick this year's draft. They got this from the Denver Broncos through the Russell Wilson trade. Uh, And listen, this is a team that that, that did win above expectations, I would say. Oh, overachieved. Yes. Like nobody's business. Uh, Went from having Russell Wilson, the Super Bowl winner, you know, and trading him away. And, wow, they're going to finish bottom of the division uh, this upcoming year. Maybe top, maybe number one overall draft pick, too. Hey, you know what? They fucked around and finished nine and eight with Geno Smith. Uh, so Geno Smith's still there. Got Drew Locke as their second string quarterback. You know, much of the bunch of offenses stayed the same. Uh, Kenneth Walker, the third, still there. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Uh, but what I think they're going to go with is listen, Geno Smith did great and they gave him that deal. And Drew Locke is there. You know, the biggest Jeezy uh, fan you've never heard of. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking True about, story. go look up the video. True story. I think what they're ultimately going to go with is they're going to listen. Gino is fine, and he's going to get him for that bridge, but you're going to want to get a young guy in there and start developing now. Give him time to get that in that Pete Carroll system because we saw how Pete Carroll did when he brought quarterbacks in at USC. Mm-hmm. They didn't necessarily translate when they went to the NFL. Yeah. But cut out that middleman. Hey, they're already in the NFL. Maybe you'll have some success. Uh, But what I think they're going to go with is they're going to go with C.J. Stroud, the quarterback from Ohio State. I could see them trying to make a run for quarterback. I mean, Seattle overachieved like nobody's business. Yeah. And kudos to Pete Carroll. 
I get it. Like I say, when people were writing him off for greener pastures. Yeah. He, he, he resurrected Geno Smith's career. Yeah. So Geno Smith got paid in the offseason, as he deserves. Deservedly so. No argument there. They have a very solid offense. But when you're facing the 49ers, you're facing the Rams, you're, well, I would say Arizona, but jury's still out, obviously. They got, right. They're probably the ones you don't fear as much. You got to go defense, and I think what they need to do is go get Jalen Carter, the defensive lineman from Georgia. They need to really try going back to the Richard Sherman days of the Legion of Boom. Mm-hmm. And you got to get somebody in there that's going to be able to make some noise. And I think that Carter would be the guy to do it. Uh, but like I say, they could go either way. I could see them taking a quarterback at this position. But I just feel that with Geno, I think they have enough confidence right now that they wouldn't go in the first round. They'll go grab somebody in the later rounds. Right. But as I say, it could go either way. I just like Carter at this pick. Sure. Uh, the number six overall pick is uh, is the Detroit Lions, who got this from the L.A. Rams. Uh, you look at Detroit, who finished with a record of 9-8 and eight last year, also did very well. Uh, a lot of the offense staying the same. Uh, you got Jared Goff still as their starting quarterback, DeAndre Swift their running back. Uh, got David Montgomery uh, as a backup. Amon Ra St. Brown is there. Uh, would have Jamison Williams, but, well, yeah. Reasons. <laughs> Dumbass reasons. Yeah. Uh, he's suspended. Uh, they also got Marvin Jones Jr. there. Brock uh, Brock Wright is their tight end. Uh, so I think their offense is not that bad. You know, I think they're going to want to go for a uh, defensive upgrade. And I think they're going to go with Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia. They're going defense here. No yeah. question about yeah, that. Yeah, they are. Uh, I don't see them going anywhere near the offense because we have to remember this. Detroit was at one point the highest scoring team in the NFL. Uh-huh. Like, like as crazy as it sounds, but they just can't close. Their defense gassed out. They would let leads slip away. I mean, it'd almost be playing a fantasy video game Yeah, with some of the games they had early on in the season. Had they closed some of those games out, they would have been in the playoffs. And hell, like I, I, I swear by this, they would have made a run. Not going to say they would have got to the Super Bowl, but they would have made a deep run, in mm-hmm. my opinion. So here, I think they go with defense, and I think they go with a cornerback. And I'm saying they're going to take Christian Gonzalez, uh, cornerback from Oregon. I think that he's somebody that they're definitely going to be looking at, and I think that he can definitely make some noise for them. And they're going to have to just really build that defensive side of things. So I think that he'd be the one to go to. Uh, Next up is the Las Vegas Raiders, who, let's face it, uh, two-thirds of this panel, Well, if I include Rich from when we... You uh, can always include Rich. He's coming through for football next week, so yes, you can. Uh, Including Rich in that statement. Obviously, he was not one of the ones, but we felt very highly of the Las Vegas Raiders uh, last season. Uh, Thought they'd do real well when adding Devontae Adams, and you had Josh McDaniels coming in, adding Chandler Jones and all the other guys they didn't. Well, it didn't exactly turn out the way they hoped. Uh, finished with a record of 6-11, and 11, but maybe they made some more additions this offseason. Maybe things will change. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, now their starting quarterback. Uh, listen, let's just call them what they are. They're, they're the uh, West Coast Patriots. Uh, Brian Hoyer is their backup. Uh, Jacob, again, former New England Patriot and former New England Patriot at their 1-2 and two quarterback positions. Oh, by the way, they added former New England Patriot Jacoby Myers uh, as one of their wide receivers, which, hey, if you can get some decent stats out of that guy, more power to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't believe me, go look up his stats. <clears throat> you know, so I think this is a team that they're not that bad on offense. I think they'll be fine offensively. I think they're going to want to look at something defensively, and they're going to look at uh, Devin Witherspoon, the cornerback from uh, Illinois. That's a solid pick for them. 
Here is my take. I think they are going to go offense here. I think that what they're going to do is follow in the footsteps of something Josh McDaniels has done before. Yeah. Josh McDaniels is an offensive guru. This is true. It didn't work with Derek Carr. And I if we have to say who who failed there more, I think it's it's on Carr. Sure. I mean, he's the one executing the plays on the field and just for whatever reason it just didn't work for him. He's in New Orleans and you know what, I think he's gonna be fine there. Mm-hmm. But I think for what McDaniels does best is he works with quarterbacks that one know his system and two are coming into the league. Sure. And what I feel here is he's going to rekindle some magic he had when he was in Denver because he drafted a quarterback from the great University of Florida and he turned him into a pro that won one playoff game over the oh. Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think he goes back to that playbook, and I think he gets Anthony Richardson, okay. the prospect out of Florida. Now, the great thing he has here is you still have Jimmy G, Yes, which we all forget. Jimmy G is a very solid quarterback. Yeah, He's steady. He's not flashy. Yeah, He can sit in there, and he'll win you games. And God help you if he gets hurt again. Brian Hoyer's there, and Brian Hoyer's serviceable backup. Right. Speaking as a Patriots fan, he's he's serviceable. So Richardson can sit behind him and learn the McDaniel system. Yeah. So then he can come in, and you look at all the offensive weapons they have in Vegas. He could come in next year or two years from now, whatever they want to do, because obviously number one draft picks, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. everybody gets very, very antsy to get them in games. Yeah. He could come in instantly and succeed. Sure. So this is really an investment pick, but I think Richardson has such an upside, you can't pass on him. You're right about you know fans and, and what have you wanting to see number one draft picks get in there quick, but I think this could be the benefit, bouncing off what you said, of if you bring him in there. If they start winning and they have a great start to the season as – a, you know, parallel opposite of what happened last year. I don't think they're going to give a shit when the kid gets in there. They're going to sit there and go, Hey, you know what? We're doing fine. Let him sit there and, you know, Aaron Rodgers style and just soak, yeah. up, soak up the system and sit here and learn. We're doing fine. But like, you know, just to, you know, devil's advocate there, sure. things go south quickly. Uh, they're going to start screaming on talk radio and whatnot in the Vegas area. Put this kid in now. Jimmy G ain't it. Mm-hmm. No, I could definitely see that happening too. But, that's the upside you have with him, and I think McDaniel's he's not gonna pass on it. Like, could he go defense here? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm not saying he's not going to. But in my gut, I think he's gonna do that. I think the the idea that you have somebody like Richardson's prototype sitting there is too much for him to pass on. And if he can sit there and really mold him into the quarterback he wants, and especially if you can learn the Patriots offense, let's be honest, that's what they're running out there. The sky's the limit for him. And for Vegas, you have the quarterback of the future with the offensive right now. Like, it's a no-brainer to me. Like, that's the move I see them doing. Sure. Uh, next up, with the eighth overall pick in the NFL draft this year, it is the Atlanta Falcons. Who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? <laughs> they need a lot. Yeah. A <laughs> lot. Christ almighty. Like, when I say the kitchen sink, they need the kitchen sink plus the studs to attach it to the wall. Uh, Desmond Ritter is is their starting quarterback. Listen, Who? Uh, yeah. <laughs> is their starting quarterback listed on ESPN.com. Their backup is Ty- Taylor Henneke. Uh Logan Woodside is their third string. And then Felipe Franks is listed as their fourth string. 
Uh, I'll just go through their starters. Uh, running back Tyler uh, Algier, Drake, uh, Drake London, Mac Hollins, and Scotty Miller are their listed starting wide receivers. Kyle Pitts is their starting tight end, and then Keith Smith is their starting fullback. Out of everyone I mentioned, I've heard of two of them, that being Taylor Henneke and Kyle Pitts. Yep. They need everything in the goddamn sink plus the studs. Uh, and I think they're going to have to go out and get a stud on offense uh, because, hey, listen, that offense is fucking awful. You can't throw to Kyle Pitts 800 times. Mm-hmm. I think what they're going to do is they're going to go with the wide receiver. From, I think we might see our first wide receiver off the board here, uh, and that's going to be the wide receiver from the Ohio State University, Jackson Smith Njigba. That's a good pick for him. I could see that happening too, but I think that they're going to go running back at this position. Mm. They're they're going on offense regardless. Yes, and I know they got what Drake London. He was their number one pick last year. Yes, uh, the wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, didn't really strike me as a number one pick, but couldn't even tell you his stats. Yeah, I'm looking him up. Yeah, like I say, he didn't really light everything on fire, no. so to speak. But then in Atlanta, you need to have something balanced. I mean, Kyle Pitts. Does what he can down there, but it's not yeah. enough. Uh, so Drake London, uh, 2022 season stats, 72 catches, tied for 33rd in the NFL, 866 yards, tied for, uh, which was good for 30th in the NFL, four touchdowns, which was tied for 46th, and then he averaged 12 yards a catch, which was good for 57th. Yeah, I like I say, they need a lot, but I think they need to get the ground game balance. This is where I think they take B. John Robinson from Texas as the running back. Okay. Uh, they they need so so much help. Like they're much like Houston. Yeah. Any pick right now would probably be a good yeah. one. Just gonna put that out there. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh next up with the uh ninth overall pick in the NFL draft, it is the Chicago Bears who got this from the Carolina Panthers. Chicago, a couple years like we said, a couple years away on the upswing, I I would say. Uh, didn't necessarily finish the way uh, they hoped last year uh, with a record of 3-14, and 14, but they do have a promising uh, quarterback in Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. They got DJ Moore as their uh, wide receiver they brought in in the offseason. Uh, they do have Chase Claypool, who they brought in from uh, Pittsburgh, who is pretty darn good, I would say. Uh, and then Cole Komet is their tight end there. So they got some decent ones, uh, decent pieces on. Uh, oh, and they also have uh, De- Deontay uh, Foreman as their running back there. So they got some pieces on there on the offense I think they can work with. Uh, so I think they might start looking <clears throat> uh, some offense to help them out and maybe give uh, Justin Fields a little more time to work with so he's not running for his life on every play. Uh, and they're gonna, I think they're going to go with Peter uh, Skaronsky, the offensive tackle from Northwestern. I'm with you on that. I, I fully agree with you with that pick. They need to build the line all around Fields. Fields is the diamond in the rough that I don't think they were ever expecting to be this good. He's literally giving them all he has. They got to protect him at all co- at all costs. And I think the Skorinski is the guy to do it. And you got to build that line up somewhere. They have serviceable pieces, and especially with Aaron Rodgers out of that in, in NFC North, like they could win now. They really could. So I think this move makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Next up. Uh, next up is the 10th overall pick in the NFL draft, which is the Philadelphia Eagles. We're getting this one from the New Orleans Saints. So, yes, folks, the team that finished second technically overall in the NFL, they lost in the Super Bowl, is getting the 10th overall pick in the NFL draft. Draft is wild like that. Uh, so, like I said, Philadelphia Eagles did very well last year. Uh, like we mentioned, finished 14-3, and made it all the way to the Super Bowl before they lost ultimately to the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. 
Still looking pretty damn, goddamn good on offense. Yeah. Jalen Hurts still there. Rashad Penny listed as their starting running back. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith uh, still there at the wide receiver core, also with uh, Quez Watkins, and then Dallas Godare as their starting tight end. Uh, but I think these guys, listen, it looks real good for them, And I, but I think they're going to want to look at maybe a defensive pick, mm-hmm. uh, add to that defense, because, hey, listen, it would have helped them in that Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, so I think they're going to go with Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback from Oregon. I definitely agree with you. They're going defense. Their offense is fine. They don't need to worry about too much there. Yeah. I see them going cornerback as well, but I see them taking Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. Okay. I think the with the wide receivers that are in that division, they really don't have a lot to worry about, but I think Witherspoon's physical play can do a lot, and I think that you could see them disrupting the quarterbacks a little bit more often. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they like to blitz a lot. I think he'd fit in that scheme. I could see that going there. I could also see him going for the Van Ness kid coming uh, out of Iowa, too. I know yeah. he's got a lot of hype behind him. Yeah. They're going defense regardless. But if I, if I have to make a guess, I think Witherspoon is going to be the guy they want to go for. Because, like I say, he'll add a lot of physical prowess to him. And much like when the case of Sauce Gardner with the Jets, I think he'll really help on that side of the ball for him. Yeah. So that said, that's the top 10 picks. Pad, how is your team doing before we close out? Uh, so my Patriots are picking at the number 14 overall position, and it, it's going to be interesting to see where they go with this. I would like to see them get somebody maybe on the offensive side. Now, now if they get somebody defensive, I'm not going to be mad about it. Uh, listen, you can never have enough help on the defense. Uh, but I think they're going to go with somebody on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and, and with uh, Bill O'Brien coming back, uh, listen, Bill O'Brien's last time in uh, New England. He liked that two tight end uh, offensive set. Uh, don't exactly have two tight ends right now. You've got, well, you technically do. you got Hunter Henry and then Mike Gusecki. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think they're going to go with somebody offensive, maybe a wide receiver. You know, they did add Juju Smith-Schuster uh, in the offseason. Devontae Parker and Kendrick Bourne are still there. But I think one more wide receiver wouldn't hurt. Just because, listen, with the way the NFL goes and injuries and, and guys having an off day, I think it'd be good to get a hopefully a decent number one wide receiver in the draft that isn't a goddamn bust like mm. like is our history. Yeah, I could definitely see him going that route. Um, this draft to me for, for the Bills, mm-hmm. there's a lot of offensive linemen in this, and I think it's probably the deepest one they can go. I know that Buffalo is picking very, very late, obviously. Right. Number 27, I believe. Well, you know. Yeah, they are 27. They made a run. Yeah. So, obviously, I'm not thinking they're going to do anything super crazy to trade up, and I don't think they need to, to be honest with you. I mean, I think their biggest need they need to address ASAP is that offensive line. I like Osiris Torrance from Florida. I mm-hmm. think if he can fall to him, which I think he is going to, the only team I think might make a run for him possibly earlier are the two teams in front of him. That's the Giants and the Cowboys. Sure. Because obviously we took the Cowboys' top lineman. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry, Dre Driven. <laughs> um, that being said, I think they're going to really try building a line around Josh Allen. And if you looked in the playoff run they had this year, Josh Allen got pressured too much. Sure. They couldn't rely on a run game, even though they got James Cook there. They have all the talent in the world to really make a run, and their defense is still solid. I mean, that's Sean McDermott's you know playbook 101 right there. Mm-hmm. Offensively, though, the line has been very, very suspect for years. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot has been covered up by Josh Allen's play. Right. But I think teams are starting to pick up on how he is running the ball, and he should not be their leading rusher. Right. I think if they go get Torrance, 
that would be the move to do. And I think that would make a lot of sense to build that line and let him run crazy sure. and give him some balance that he needs so he can be a pocket quarterback when he needs to be mm-hmm. instead of trying to make so many plays on his feet that he's running so physically headfirst into stuff that obviously gives me heart attacks when I watch. Yeah. Because seeing him hurl guys, eventually he's going to get caught. Yeah. And then the yeah. season is not going to look pretty for Buffalo. Hey, but at least you got your kicker locked up. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> uh, listen, though, if I had to like a dream like long shot pick, I hope they I want them to pick up for the Patriots. Joey Porter Jr., the cornerback from uh, Penn State. Yeah. 6'3", 193 pounds. Uh, and I'm not just saying this because I like Penn State, but this kid's good. Mm-hmm. He's real good. Uh, so, Dark Horse, I want the Patriots to pick him up because, listen, he's real goddamn good. Uh, but whoever ends up getting Joey Porter Jr., you're going to get a real good player. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. I think that he's going to be uh, great wherever he goes. I really like his game. So I could definitely see some team really benefiting from him. I'd love to see him on the Bills, but I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think he's going to fall that far. I don't think so either. Um, you know, there really isn't, you know, like, I would say diamonds in the rough here. But, no. I mean, it's one thing about the draft is the deepest point is linemen. And yeah. I think some teams are really going to upgrade there. Yeah. Skill set players, I don't know. Like, there's not a lot of sizzle there. Like, after the first couple we mentioned, I think. Right. The quarterback class is good, but it's not great. So I think some teams are going to be stretching, but they need to make moves quickly. I think the Richardson, though, is, is probably the one that's got the most upside of everybody coming out. I really do. Not saying that because I'm a Florida fan, but I just fully believe that. That's why I think if the Raiders get a hold of him, they're going to make a deep run mm-hmm. um, at some point down the road because they'll give him time to develop. And that's what quarterbacks need to do in this league. We've seen how many come in and they start first day, and not everybody is a Peyton Manning. No. So you're not going to have that instant success. I'm sorry. It just doesn't work that way. But that's why we wait to see how everybody forms when we watch the NFL draft. we got three days to do this. This is true. First round is Thursday night like we talked about. Second and third on Friday, four through seven, and they move very, very quickly. So in case anybody is not familiar for whatever reason, Saturday will fly by. Oh, God, yeah. The first day is like all sorts of drawn out. Saturday, it's like they got places to be. Yeah, so it'll be a fun time to watch for football. So ODPH Society, hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the NFL draft? How is your team shaping up? And what's your thoughts about Aaron Rodgers? I know we have a lot of Packers fans out there. Let us know what you think. I'm very, very interested to hear everybody uh, drop their uh, opinion about Aaron Rodgers leaving Green Bay. So hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Together, we can make a difference. That's been the sign-off for everything live stream for The Cure related ever since the event began back in 2017. Hello, everyone. My name is Nick, and I am the host of the live stream for The Cure an annual charity event to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute for immunotherapy research for a world immune to cancer. And over the past six years, we've made that difference together. Amazing listeners, amazing viewers, amazing podcast partners and content creators all coming together, and we've raised over $70,000. But this year, we're going to make our biggest difference to date, and we're going to raise $25,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Tune into the event at twitch.tv slash livestream for the cure starting May 18th as we're joined again by podcast partners and content creators from around the world to help the Cancer Research Institute crush cancer. Together, we will make a difference.
Coming back for another segment on this fusion edition of the ODPH podcast. And we got to take it to the entertainment side of things and talk about one of our favorite shows on TV right now. The last great DC show on the CW, in our opinion. Yes. So DC Comics uh, CW show Superman and Lois, which really has come back in a very, very strong way for season three. Tyler Hoechlin and Elizabeth Tolick are playing the title roles of Superman and Lois. And the family, the move from Metropolis to Smallville has not escaped the drama. This season, they're going into... Pat, how would you describe this season? Uh, more family-focused. Uh, last season was kind of like, kind of... I forget how my dad phrased it, but it was really appropriate. It was kind of more out there. Yeah. You know, kind of straying away from the family side of things. And this is going real family-heavy. Yeah, they're definitely focusing a lot more on the dynamic between the Kents. And they're de- dealing with a very serious subject with Lois Lane being diagnosed with stage 3 cancer. And that has been one of the themes going on along with the superhero story that is playing out with Intergang, which is a longtime Superman villain uh, group yeah. now making their way onto the show. So we are going to be recapping the latest episode. Now, if you're new to the ODPH, first and foremost, thank you for checking us out. We do appreciate it. What we like to do is give a spoiler-free statement about the episode we're going to be talking about. So if you haven't seen it for whatever reason (coughs) and you still want to enjoy it without any spoilers, we give you fair warning to dip out here. And then after the countdown, because once we give that countdown, it goes to the full spoiler range. So if you need to dip out, dip out. Otherwise, stay tuned for the context because we got a lot to discuss with this episode. So, Pad, that being said, hit me with your spoiler-free statement of Episode 6 of Season 3 of Superman and Lois, entitled Of Sound Mind. Uh, it was interesting. I wasn't quite sure where they were going to go with this episode, you know, as as the episode progressed. It started to feel like a filler for me for a while because there wasn't really a lot going on, but it ended up being interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one definitely drew into the family dynamic, like they've been touching upon all season. Yeah. Albeit, though, it was not based around the Kents. No. which was kind of a nice curveball I thought they threw. Sure, Superman and Lois had their moments in this episode, and, and but I think overall they shifted focus away and really went into a, an interesting direction because I did not think that they were going to focus so much time on this group of characters, but it came off very well, I thought. And then the reveal before taking everybody home I thought was huge. Mm-hmm. So definitely a very solid episode, much like the show has been. So it's worth a watch if you haven't checked it out yet. So, Pad, that being said, three, two, one, talk to me. You know, I think the ending of this episode really saved it because for me, the episode was fine. But like I wasn't coming out of it going, oh, my gosh, this episode was crazy. This episode was nuts. You know, like I said, it was fine. I thought the fact they switched focus from the Kents to the Langs. Mm hmm was interesting yeah because i was not suspecting it in fact i will be very honest i forgot that sarah had a sister so did i yeah i I legit did because we have really not seen a lot of her throughout this show that's why i made the comment at one point during the episode where sarah's sister she like she's been so little used in this show for three seasons that I couldn't even remember her name. Yeah, that she made the line to I forget who it was, but she made the line. Oh, I'm the forgotten sister. You know, oh my family always forgets about me, and I went and I'm like, yeah. So do the writers. I forgot you were even a thing. Yeah. So it's an interesting plot point that they're adding more characters to this show because obviously this episode was missing the Irons family, which I was very yeah. sad. I, like I'm sorry, I, I really enjoy their characters on the show. 
So the fact we didn't get that and they really switched focus, I thought was, int- like I say, it's interesting, but I'm just hoping it plays off to something long term. Yeah, let's not have it as a one and done. Yeah, like if you're going to do a one and done, I don't think that's the way to go with this. Mm-hmm. Because the cast is big as well, like is is so big right now. Yeah, I don't want to keep comparing cast sizes to The Walking Dead, but that's the closest thing we have. But we're getting there, and I, I love seeing people get work. So don't don't get that twisted. But it's like there's only so much time in an hour, forty two minutes, forty four minutes. Yeah, to fit everybody. Yeah, and everybody's story to give it equal time. That's the issue that they're I they're I think they're struggling with this season. Yeah. I mean, it's still been very solid work. It's still worth the watch. Like, don't don't take anything away it's from just, that. It's just they're juggling a lot of balls right now. There's so much going on that the fact you devoted so much time to this, I really hope it's not a one and done. Let's not forget the biggest thing with the season, though, that's coming is you've got Lex Luthor showing up for the first time, you know, in this season, who's going to be played by Michael Cutlitz, ironically, of Walking Dead, mm-hmm. no, among other things. But we're six episodes into this season of however many episodes it's going to end up being. And we've heard him mentioned, mm-hmm. but we've not seen him yet. Yeah. Which, hey, I get it's Lex Luthor, but you would have figured Superman's number one villain, his arch nemesis, would have made a fucking appearance by now. I think the only reason why he hasn't is before it was declared where Superman and Lois was in the Arrowverse. Yeah. I think they were still waiting to see if they were going to use John Cryer uh, as Lex eh. until they decided we're going to have it be a separate planet, blah, blah, blah. And then you have to recast Lex, and if you're not going to go, no, I, I get that. But like they filmed this, and I'm going to look up when they filmed this for. But like they fi- they started filming this after that decision was made, right? But that's why I think I, that when they just started holding off, I think that's why we haven't seen them prior to. And then now it's like, okay, well, we decided yeah. They, to add they, them. Uh, so according to the Wikipedia page, filming for the season began on September 6th, 2022, in Vancouver, and concluded on March 14th, 2023. So that's well after they already made that call. Mm. That's interesting, then. I, that's why I just went with it, because I'm like, we haven't seen Lex prior to this season. No, I agree, I agree with you, and yeah. I, th- I think that does play a part, but for the fact of when they were writing the season and when they were filming the season, that decision was already made. That Like, hey, we're it's going to be a separate universe. It's not tied to the Arrowverse. It's not going to be John Cryer. The fact that like we're waiting this long into the season to show him off is kind of surprising. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. But I think, though, they're also taking a page out of the Arrow play, or the Flash playbook in this sense. They're giving half a season to a major villain. Yeah. And then probably the second half yeah. is all going to be Luthor. So yeah, probably. You know, practicing that because where we jump in with this episode is Lois has been having her battle with cancer and she's been receiving treatment at one of Bruno Mannheim's hospitals in mm-hmm. Metropolis. And Clark has now joined a support group for spouses of chemotherapy patients. Yep. And it's a very powerful scene, too. There, I, one thing I will say about this show they're being very, very respectful about people dealing with the disease and, and how it's affecting them. So that mm-hmm. is playing a very big factor in the show. They've handled it very tastefully, so I have to give kudos to them about this. Yes. And from there, Clark is having a really tough time about dealing with life without Lois because him being from Krypton, you know, Krypton, he's the Man of Steel, he's Superman. The human problems of this just have not registered. I mean, he's also a guy that doesn't, isn't typically dealt with being told no or facing a problem he can't stop. Yeah. You know, where you're talking about a, a guy who can move planets, mm-hmm. literally, yeah. and, and can lift an unlimited amount of weight, you know, being faced with something that he can't forcibly move. He yeah. can't use heat vision. He can't use his his breath. He can't use x-ray vision, like whatever else. 
you know, and he's in this meeting with the other chemo patients. And the one talks about you looking at their spouse and saying, Hey, listen, maybe it's time you give up. Mm -hmm. And he just can't deal with living without Lois. Yeah. Like I say, it's just that aspect of him being an alien and he's just, he can't, you know, process this. Yeah. And obviously losing the love of his life. Like he cannot come to terms. Like he can't Mm -hmm. do it. He's helpless. Yeah. And that's the first time that I think, Superman has felt helpless in this kind of degree. I think so, yeah, because we saw earlier episodes where he was talking with some other chemo patients, and it definitely rattled him a little mm. bit, but it wasn't until this moment where he realized, like, oh, shit, there is a real possibility I could lose her, and there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, so I, like I said, how they've been handling this, I think, has been, been very strong writing and been very tasteful. So, like I say, the, when you see Clark get shaken up by this, like, it really comes across to the viewers watching at home. And like I say, it's very moving. And he tries playing it off to Lois because he comes back to her in the, in the hospital a little sooner than I think she expected him. And he looks at her and goes, ah, you know what? It just wasn't for me. Yeah. Like he is. He's just, yeah. Cause he doesn't want to upset her by any means. And you know, he's having to come to terms with in his own mind about what's going on too. So mm-hmm. that's happening. He does get a little bit of a distraction though, in the sense of deadline who he did stop at the DOD last episode, not mm-hmm. before secrets were given out to Bruno Mannheim. Yeah. Because he does find out that Deadline is suffering from tumors. Yeah, so uh, Deadline gets caught by the DOD for some reason. I don't I don't remember it being explained why he's there. But Superman goes to the DOD, sees Deadline there, and Deadline is just screaming in agony. Mm-hmm. And, and, he, and all the only phrase he can get out, or the only phrase he's willing to say, is take me to Mannheim. Take me to Mannheim. He's the only person who can help me. And I can't remember if it's his, if it's General Lane or the other doctor, military person there who says it. But they go, that's all he's been saying since, you know. I believe it's General Lane. You know, General Lane says, oh, that's all he's been saying. So Clark takes off with Deadline, goes to Metropolis, lands in Mannheim's penthouse suite whatever the hell it is Hmm. and Mannheim gets all sorts of pissy he goes do you know how many lines you're crossing right now yeah and and because at this point Clark has x-rayed him and he sees his lower intestines are just riddled with tumors like large small and every size in between so he takes him to Mannheim and Mannheim gets all sorts of pissed and he goes listen this guy's insides are covered with tumors and he says you're the only person who can help him and Mannheim looks at him and goes, so take him to a hospital. What do you want me to do? Yeah. I mean, Chad Coleman, who plays Bruno Mannheim, is absolutely crushing this role and is playing the cold villain. Goddamn, yeah, he is. That he's just ex- – because the entire season, he's been experimenting on people with Superman's DNA yeah. and blood. Yeah. And he did something like this with Deadline. So now that Superman has brought him back and said, help him, he's just looks at him and just cold. He's like, take him to a hospital. What do you want me to do with him? Like, really treating him like he meant nothing to him. Which, essentially, everybody that Mannheim's experimented on, for the most part, Mm -hmm. he doesn't care about. Yeah. This is just an ends to a means for him to figure out what he is doing with the Superman blood that he's acquired from the DOD. Mm Mm-hmm. So, when he is brushed away, Deadline dies at the hospital. Yeah. So, that is something that's going to be lingering around this season, too, because now Clark is fully aware of what Mannheim's doing and is now very focused about stopping him mm-hmm. as well. The story then shifts to Jordan, his son. Yep. Because now Jordan has a mask. Yeah. He feels that he's ready to assume being a superhero, and Clark is uh, more or less advising him, yeah. stop. 
He's saying you still need more training and he's still being a very protective parent while this is going on. Meanwhile, Jordan is not hearing any word of this. And I have to say, this had to be one of Alex Garfin's better episodes. Yeah, I would say because Jordan is basically beating every uh, hologram training simulation Clark throws at him and he's beating them handedly. And he feels he's ready. Mm-hmm. But Clark but Clark is, is hell-bent on saying, no, you're not. I got to prepare you for anything the world can throw at you. And he goes, fine, throw it at me. And he can conjures up these two holographic figures, one of which I didn't recognize. And then the other one... I think the one was, what, Atomic Skull? Maybe. Uh, but then the other one was like a Bizarro Superman-looking thing. You mm-hmm. know, it might have been a hologram of Bizarro. Uh, and, and he has to take them on at the same time. Yeah. And he's trying to prove the point to him as well that you are not going to be fighting fair against any villain you're coming across. Right. You're not going to be doing anything, you know, to face them. Yeah. You know, fairly. This villain's trying. Like, like you you can play fair and and fight fair for all these practice rounds, but they ain't going to do it in real life. Yeah. So Jordan gets mad and storms off, flies off like however he wanted to find it. He just, he takes off. Meanwhile, Lois is having dinner with another patient that is getting treatment at Manheim's hospital. Really bonded with her over the last yeah. couple episodes. Yeah, so you've seen this character show up. Her name is Pia. And they're having this you know, great dinner, and you know, Lois is having somebody to confide in. When she leaves the dinner, though, mm-hmm. that's when she comes back. And obviously, Jordan, um, when he stormed off pad, what did he wind up doing? Uh, he went home. Yeah, he went home. He kind of went to his room. Uh, Clark comes back and starts confronting him about it. Lois asks what's going on, mm-hmm. and, and he tries explaining it from his perspective. They're like, "Hey, listen, I'm just trying to get him ready for everything the world's throwing at him." But surprisingly, Lois doesn't side with Clark on this one. She sides. She sides with Jordan. Yeah. So surprisingly, they have a they have a little argument. And Lois winds up leaving. Yeah, and she and she goes, I'm going for a ride or a drive or a walk or something. And she says, and very pointedly says, don't follow me. Mm-hmm. So at this stage, the story does shift to Lana Lang and her family. Mm-hmm. And the budding romance is happening between Kyle and Chrissy. Yeah. So, which they've been keeping under wraps since they hooked up a few episodes ago. Uh, when they hooked up technically before he wasn't divorced yet. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a little gray area. We'll just chalk it up to reasons. But we're seeing that Chrissy is kind of feeling very, very bad about what is going on, especially when she has to interview Lana. Yeah. Which, like I say, this was really an interesting uh, episode for uh, Sophie Hamzik, who or, who plays Chrissy. I mean, like she did a great job with this. And when her, when she's having the interview with Emmanuel Kirky's Lana, you can see like she is freaking out about this, mm-hmm. and she's trying not to say anything because she knows that this is going to be a bad situation no matter what. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to remain calm, even though you're seeing Kyle, who I mean, let's face it, he screws up anything he does. But Eric Valdez, who plays him, does a great job with him. And is trying to calm her fears and saying, no, you know, it'll be fine. Nothing you got to worry about. And then we get the saga going on with the newest family. I, I shouldn't say the newest family member, but let's talk about it. Um, Sophie Cushing, mm-hmm. uh, who's played by Jocelyn Picard. And she winds up having to go over to her dad's house. Yeah. Because Lana's too busy with. With work and interviews and this, being the mayor. Yeah. So there's a lot of moving parts going on here. And obviously, 
Kyle has to go to the fire station where he's training one Jonathan Kent, played by Michael right, Bishop. Right, well, because she ends up having to go over there because she can't. Uh, Lana's busy with work. Mm-hmm. The Sophie asks, oh, if I can go, can I go with you to work? She goes, well, it's going to be really boring. I'm going to be in meetings all day, and it's not really exciting. Why don't you do something with your sister? And the, and her sister, Sarah, goes, I'm buried up to my eyeballs in geometry. For It's like a midterm, I think it is. Yeah. You know, I can't do anything. Well, oh, can I go over to Dad's? And she goes, well, if, you know, he technically, it's, it's not the weekend, but if, if he's okay with it, yeah, sure. Yeah, but he's not there because he's out with Chrissy. Yeah. So Sarah is responsible for watching with... Jonathan, who's who's been bonding with Kyle, yeah, since he's been now a volunteer firefighter at Smallville. Yep. So they're supposed to be watching Sophie. Sarah is not having this for whatever reason. Sarah's just too busy with ignoring her. That she's so focused on this midterm that, like, even even when Jonathan comes over to help her study, they both ignore. Her. Like, there's at least two separate occasions where Sophie wants to just do anything. Yeah. With her sister, I mean, she she oh, you want to go see a movie? Oh, do you want to go play video games? Oh, do you want to you know do this, do that? And she's like, no, no, I'm just too busy. I'm just too busy. I'm just too busy. Yeah. So. They wind up basically leaving Sophie on her own. Well, she ends up leaving. Yeah, because Sarah's too busy with her studying. She's just like, yeah, go ahead. Whatever. Yeah, she's she's not even paying attention. Sophie takes off. Yeah. So now everybody is looking for her. Because Lana comes home and goes, where's Sophie? And at that point, Sarah looks around and goes, oh, shit. She went to go get some food or go to the store and get something. Well, when was that? And Jonathan looks at the two of them and goes, well, probably around the time I got here to help you study, which was like over an hour ago. Yeah. And they go and, and they go and you have and Lana goes and you haven't seen her since. Uh, no. Yeah. So now they go looking for her. Uh, and as we like to say in the pro wrestling world, you fucked up. You fucked up. You fucked up. Yeah. Sarah has been batting a thousand this season. Yeah. Sorry, just my opinion. Uh, you know. Yeah. No, it's 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 not a good track record. No, she's she's not having a good season this year. No period uh but this also leads into the ultimate confrontation where lana has to track down kyle she's been calling him multiple times he's not answering oh i've been in a dead zone oh why were you in a dead zone oh i went hiking when did, since when since when you've in the entire time i've known you you've never gone hiking yeah and who's in the other aisle of the gas station uh chrissy, chrissy. yeah so they've now been caught awkward yep and you can definitely tell how how weird this gets and you can tell how lana feels about it hint not good yeah lana's ready to go flip out so they wind up leaving very uneasy yeah and then jonathan gets a tip off well he he gets a clue yeah he like he figures out where sophie might be seeing a clue around the house because they go to the house uh sarah and jonathan go to uh the lana's house Mm -hmm. can't find her outside can't find her inside and jonathan starts thinking okay well is there anywhere she likes to go Mm mm-hmm and Sarah brings up the movies, and she goes, well, she wouldn't go there. They're showing, they mentioned some made-up movie. And then she, she's like, I can't think of anywhere else, though. And then Jonathan remembers from the firehouse that earlier in the uh, earlier in the episode, uh, Sophie brought up, well, can we go to the, the fair? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, her dad's like, well, the fair's not until summer. And he goes, wait a minute, I think I know where she is. Let's go. Yeah. And they go to the fairgrounds. Yep, and sure enough, they find Sophie waiting there, and Sarah's trying to talk, and Sophie is not hearing this, rightfully so. Yeah. But Jonathan winds up smoothing things over and yeah. and, and kind of does a little relation with this because, obviously, 
in his household, he feels like he's the odd one forgotten. Yeah, because, I mean, you think about it. His dad is the most famous superhero on the planet. Mm-hmm. His mom is one of, if not the most famous reporters. Uh, reporters on the planet. And then he's got a brother who will someday be the second most famous superhero on the planet. In theory. In theory. I mean, well, time will tell. You know, but so he's gone from being, you know, a twin starting quarterback on the football team to, and he even brings this up with, with Sarah because Sarah's like, oh, I'm such a screw-up. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no, you're not. You're talking to the ultimate screw-up yep. here, which was a great line. You know, but he goes, listen, I know a thing or two about being the forgotten kid. And and Sophie goes, no, you're not. You're, you're not forgotten over uh, Jordan. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, in your eyes, he's not. He's yeah. not. Yeah. If you, if you knew the truth. So he winds up saving the day and getting in the good graces of Kyle. Yeah. Plus something I picked up, and I think they're going this route, which I, I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, I think they're now setting up the stage for a Jonathan Sarah romance. Yeah, love triangle. Yeah, because when he gets yeah. back to the Kent household, um, the confrontation he has with Jordan, Jordan is not exactly uh, yeah. too happy no. about hearing this is going on. Yeah, uh, Jordan, or not, yeah, not Jordan, Jonathan got a different jacket with a different nickname on the back. And Jordan makes fun of him for it. And he goes, oh, Sarah seemed to like it. Yep. You saw Sarah? Yeah, he immediately goes that route. Uh-huh. But he's been too busy with arguably the biggest action sequence of the of this show. Yeah. Because while Lois takes off earlier in this argument, Clark hears her from a distance. Mm-hmm. And he winds up flying to where she's at because he yeah. thinks he's, she's back in Metropolis. Yep. When he gets there, though, he is confronted by a couple of uh, – Hired thugs. Kind of, yeah. With kryptonite weaponry. Yeah. And there's one person there that is leading the charge against him, Pad. And who is that? Onomatopoeia. Thank you. So she lured him there. Mm-hmm. They're now killing Superman. Mm-hmm. Literally, he's getting fired from the weapons. Four or five kryptonite guns. It was something like that. I didn't count, but it was, and, like it was more than one. And she's using her powers of sound to... Yep. Yep. You know, impact him. And he is obviously writhing in pain. Jordan, who is away because he saved the dam earlier that was originally like a forgotten plot point. Yeah. Is now back. And Lois has to give him a pep talk. Well, because Lois comes. Clark takes off, tells Jordan to stay there. Mm -hmm. And then he's sitting there in the living room, distraught as all hell and understandably so. And then Lois comes walking in. Yeah, Lois comes walking in, and he goes, oh, my God, Mom, you're okay. What are you talking about? Well, Dad heard your voice and heard you screaming, and he took off to save him. To save you? No, he didn't. I was perfectly fine the entire time. You need to listen for your father's voice and find him. Yeah, so once he lets out this huge screen, he gets it. Jordan flies into action. So he's he has his quote-unquote superhero costume, which I don't fault him for. Goggles and a beanie. You know what? Take a look through the lineage of all teenage superheroes. Yeah, you're not wrong. Those first costumes... Not exactly home runs. No. But he winds up at least stopping the kryptonite thugs Mm -hmm. and has to take out the big threat. And during this time, he is shot with the kryptonite laser. With like a, well, it's like a shotgun blast. Yeah. At like almost point blank range. Right. So he gets knocked out. Clark flips his shit. Right. And it goes, fuck your kryptonite guns. Takes him out with his heat vision. Onomatopoeia starts trying to take him out and he goes, Fuck your sonic attack takes yeah. her takes uh, onomatopoeia out with the laser vision. 
Yeah, so Clark is like unloading, and this you gotta think with everything that's going on in his world, like he's just building up to unload. Starts cutting loose, if you want to use that phrase. Yup. So he winds up eliminating the bad guys. He goes to see Jordan, and yeah. kind of a little bit of a surprise. Uh, yeah, because at first he starts freaking out because Jordan's unconscious and not breathing all that much. Right. And then he suddenly comes to. Yeah. And it looks like Kryptonite doesn't have an effect on him. Yeah, he says uh, when they get back to the the, the house, we got to do more testing on it. But it appears he the Kryptonite doesn't affect him like it does me. Yeah, so which is going to come in handy. That's an interesting plot point. Now, where they're going to go with it eventually, I don't know. We'll see. We're, we'll have to wait and see. But I think that's a very interesting moment for him. Yeah. But then we get everybody back together, and Clark. Obviously makes amends with Jordan and you know really gives that father son talk. Yeah, Jordan or Jonathan, like we touched upon, has now been in the good graces of Kyle. Yep, he got a promotion. Mm-hmm. Lois is you know made amends with Clark too, so everybody's back on the same page. Yep, and we even see that Chrissy and Kyle have gone public now with their relationship, which yeah. is you know they're they're Facebook official, right? So there's a lot of wins to be had here. Clark goes back to the spouses of chemotherapy patients group. Mm-hmm. Even the leader is surprised to see him. Oh, I didn't think we'd see you again. Yeah. And he kind of, he's, and he comes out and literally says like, I didn't know how to deal with this. It was a lot for me to take, but you know, after, you know, taking some time, you know, just kind of paraphrasing a little bit here, yeah. just really grasping what is going on. You know, it's really made me see mm-hmm. the big picture. Yeah. And like we say, it's just something with him being Kryptonian he understands what's going on with humans, but he doesn't right. fully understand everything, if that makes sense. Right, because Lois brings it up in their argument earlier in the episode. Like, you don't understand how I feel. You don't get sick, which, fuck, that could come in handy yeah. around cold and flu season. Oh, yeah. But she goes, bullets literally bounce off of you. You don't understand how this is. Mm-hmm. And he finally comes to grips with that. Yeah, so it's it's something he has to accept. You know, like, that. this is something he can't fight and mm-hmm. he just has to be as supportive as yeah. he can. And him going to these meetings is definitely helping him learn how to cope yeah. with what is going on and dealing with him, you know, with the situation and obviously being supportive to Lois. Yeah. Like I say, it's more helping him to cope with what's going on. Not all his fights are physical. Some right. Some are mental. Yeah. So that's something, like I say, we'll probably see more of. And, you know, I really like that we saw that with him, too. It's a good it's a good look at both sides of this of this type of story where you typically don't see that a lot. Right. Like I say, the writing they've, they've done with Lois's battle against cancer, I think, yeah. has been very, very well. So yeah. I fully applaud it i'll probably say it ad nauseum on the show that i just i really enjoy like what how they're handling this because they're giving it you know such great sensitivity mm-hmm. and they're really you know not making it into a superhero story yeah you know like this is a real problem and this yeah. is a real situation i wonder i can't help but wonder if maybe they're consulting with somebody for like running some of the the, the plot aspects of that whole story. i would imagine that like hey we want to do this story line properly this, properly we don't want to bastardize it we don't want to make fun of it we don't want to make light of it you know and they're running just those plot points by that person going all right hey whatever you think is going to be an issue we'll take out yeah and i, I think that's very smart so I, I like i say i applaud them completely about this but we get one heck of a cliffhanger, though. Oh, yeah, we do. Pat, you want to take this one? Yeah, so we get back to Mannheim's lair, I guess you could say, where uh, Superman hasn't figured out where it is yet. Uh, and uh, Mannheim is talking with Onomatopoeia, and Onomatopoeia brings up that it's starting to lose their powers a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, hey, don't worry. You know, We're going to get this solved, and we're going to take care of you, and I'm going to save you. And Onomatopoeia pulls back their hood, their hat, whatever you want to call it, or should I say, 
her hood, mm-hmm. her hat, her whatever it is. Because Onomatopoeia's identity is revealed to be Pia, the woman that Lois and Clark have made friends with at the hospital and is none other than Bruno Mannheim's wife. Yeah. So Pia Mannheim, who is played by Daya Valdaya. Mm-hmm. Uh, Valdea, I'm sorry. I apologize for messing up the name. Like, she was great in this episode. Did not see this coming. Did not see this coming. Wow. Did not see this at all. So what an amazing cliffhanger to leave off on going into the next episode. Yeah. Like I say, just the big surprise reveal. And now going into two more episodes we know, and then it looks like they might be taking a season break. We don't know officially yet. Yeah. We All we know for sure is they're done filming. Yes. They finished filming in March. So, don't know. Yeah, we don't know, but the story with Inner Gang is ju- now just taking a very, very unique twist. Oh, God, yeah, because let's not forget, he's still screwing around with Bizarro in the background. Yeah, so there's a lot more elements getting revealed about what Bruno Mannheim is really doing here. But, like I say, overall, the show is still clicking on all cylinders. Yeah. And like I say, they really focused a lot of this episode. I know we didn't like break down everything with involving the Lang uh, Cushing family. Not the important parts, though. But we got enough of it, and that really dominated a lot of this episode too. Yeah. Like I say, we kind of maybe overemphasized a little bit about what was going on with the Kents because those were big story points. But they really did focus a lot on the Langs. Like right. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, the show is called Superman and Lois, not the Lana, the Lang story. Yes. So. But a very solid episode, nevertheless. Yeah. Like I say, uh, yeah. you know, how they're handling Lois's battle with cancer, I think, has been, you know, very tasteful. And superb. It's, it's very, yeah, it's super, superb. Superb writing top to bottom. Acting has been, you know, right there with it, too. Like I said, the show has been something to watch uh, time and time again. And this season, you know, has really been something special to watch as well. Yeah. That being said, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPagePod. What is your thoughts about episode six of season three of Superman Lois entitled Of Sound Mind? Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, and welcome to The Capsule Life, a show for the most casual and dedicated fans of comics and a member of the Comic Watch family. I'm your host, Sean. Join me and discover what the world of comics and graphic novels have to offer. From one-on-one interviews with industry professionals, roundtable discussions with passionate fans, and reviews on the latest comics, TV shows, and movies. You can also check out our website, www.thecaptionlife.com, to find out where you can listen to us, a list of all of our episodes, and where you can find us on social media under the YouTube username at Caption Life. You'll get a new episode from us every week, so hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and it's time to talk a little bit of wrestling. Hell yeah. So the WWE has had an interesting week going into their own version of the NFL draft coming up this Friday as we record. So, Pad, what has been going on lately? Uh, So we got to talk some matches that got set for the upcoming uh, Backlash pay-per-view, which is taking place uh, May 6th from San Juan, Puerto Rico, uh, where Bad Bunny was originally supposed to host, but not the case now. We'll get to that in just a minute. Mm -hmm. Uh, But some of the matches we know of that are taking place is in a six-man tag team match, you have Matt Riddle, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn taking on the Bloodline and Solo Sokoa, Jay Uso, and a Jimmy Uso. Makes perfect sense because this Friday, uh, the main event is going to be the WrestleMania rematch, which I originally uh-huh. thought we were going to have a backlash. But you know what? They really want to spike the rating on yeah. Friday. Perfect yeah. way to do it Yeah, because there's going to be a lot of drama unfolding with it. Yeah. I mean, one thing that would be an ultimate curveball of is I fully believe the Usos are going to lose. Right. If they split up the Usos. Mm, I don't think they'll do that right before the, the pay-per-view, though. 
Well, you never know. Like, like they. Oh, oh, you, oh, you mean split them up in the draft? Yeah, gotcha. Uh, maybe it could happen. I thought you meant split them up, like break them up. No, 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 no. Split them. Uh, no, split, split according to the draft. Uh, in the in the history of the of the WWE draft since they brought it back in 2015, 2016, whatever it was. Yeah, I think they've only ever split a tag team once, and that was the New Day when they split Xavier and Kofi Kingston away from Biggie. Well, no. They, well, they did that before with the Dudleys too. No, I, yeah, I know. In the, in the, I'm talking in the. Oh, oh, in the in the, in the modern era. Gotcha, I guess, gotcha, if you, gotcha, if you gotcha, say. gotcha. They they brought it up every year. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, you never know. Tag teams could get split up, and then every iteration of the draft and in the shuffles, like whatever you want to call it, they've only they they never did it, and it's yeah. like, and it got to the point where it's like, oh yeah, you say this, but I don't believe you. And, yeah. And then they finally did it. And it's thus far in the modern era the only instance they've ever done it. So yeah, we could see the second. It definitely could happen because the one thing is Triple H really wants to put a definitive stamp yeah, on yeah. the draft, and he keeps saying it's going to be the biggest ro- game you know, changer. This is going to be the biggest draft of all time. Yeah, he keeps throwing around the word game changer, which yeah, yeah, yeah we'll see. You know, I'm I'm hoping because obviously this show is going to solidify the rosters that are going to be up for the TV deals that are yes. going to be going on sale this summer. Yes. So there's a lot that is going to be involving this, and especially with how they stage this. So they really want to set it up right. Backlash is going to lead into that. Mm-hmm. We do know at Night of Champions, they are going to crown a new champion mm-hmm. of some sort. Right. So we are kind of waiting to see about how they're going to set that tournament up because whichever show Roman Reigns is not on, right, that champion is going there. Right, which is something that has been kind of teased for a while that they're going to bring back uh, a title and they're bringing back the uh, the, the WWE uh, World Heavyweight Championship, mm-hmm. which I know there was speculation a couple of years ago um, that they were going to bring this back because they stopped calling it because they unified the WWE championship and the world heavyweight championship and called it the WWE world heavyweight championship. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of years ago, they stopped calling it the WWE world heavyweight championship, even though the belt still says it. Yeah. They just started calling it the WWE championship and everyone's like, Oh, I wonder if that means they're going to bring this belt back, which took a couple of years, but Hey, we got there eventually. We got there eventually. And plus I know there's been a lot of online chatter about the belt and why it's not and the, confusion. the, the real Ric Flair belt. I think because what Triple H is doing, the more I thought about this, okay. and, and we have a great thread going on ODPH Podcast on Twitter, I think they did this because Triple H doesn't want to do anything that resembles the past. Well, I think that's also the case, but I also think it's the case that there's been multiple reports from various sources, you know, the the Sean Ross apps, the Dave Meltzers, the Mike Johnsons, you know, what have you, that both Fox and USA, which broadcast SmackDown and Raw respectfully, mm-hmm. want a main champion on their show. It makes perfect and, and, sense. And it's been the biggest gripe I know for USA, according to reports, and this is all reports. This isn't, I'm not talking to USA Network executives, so don't ask me for their opinions. Mm-hmm. But it's been reports that USA Network isn't happy that they don't have a main title holder on their show. So that's why you started seeing the U.S. title get featured very prominently in, in what have you. So, got to say, though, the the belt they unveiled on Monday, love the belt. Yeah, belt's great. Belt looks clean. Got to answer some questions, though, because there's a surprising amount of confusion about this belt that I didn't see coming. Uh, they're splitting Roman's... One of the questions I saw, they're splitting Roman's belts? No. No, no they're not. Roman still is the, the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship champion. What I think they're going to end up doing, and has been rumored for maybe six months to a year, I forget is coming up with a belt design where he doesn't have to carry two belts anymore, that it's just one belt 
one strap might be black, one strap might be blue. I don't know. Yeah. They'll do something. I, th- I think that's what they're going to do with that. I, I fully agree. They're just going to knock it down to one belt, and that's fine. There's three belts is another question I saw. Well, technically, yes. In, in physical form, technically, yes. But three belts aren't up for grabs, at least as of right now. Once it's all said and done, they'll be down to two. Uh, and then another one I saw is, and one guy has two forever? Well, again, until they come out with one belt for the undisputed title, uh, you know, yes, technically one guy has two belts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're do another one. I says they're doing two separate belts again. Again, yes, for what I just said earlier, both shows, both networks want their own main title. Holder. Yeah, a lot has to do with the TV deal, and that's yeah. the thing that once the TV deal is done, yeah, then things are going to get interesting. Yeah. So, but in, in, for the time being, that's a better selling point to a network yeah Yeah. so that's why they're doing this and it makes perfect sense uh some of the other matchups that were announced for backlash getting back to that uh in a singles matchup for the wwe smackdown women's championship you have rhea ripley defending her belt against zelina vega story is getting thrown together kind of quickly for it but i'm not mad about it you can say that for a few matches on this card i mean listen it makes sense uh zelina vega giving given her heritage the uh she's gonna fight she is originally from uh queens new york but she has family uh from puerto rico uh so makes all the sense in the world mm-hmm. why they're doing this it's gonna be a great rub for her uh, and, and it's going to be a good time to feature her in a singles matchup. I know she was featured with Andrade back before, and she's been featured with with the LWO now. Mm-hmm. You know, so people forget she's a singles match competitor. I mean, I know she showed up in a couple of Royal Rumbles, but I think by and large, folks forget that, like, hey, yeah, she does do singles stuff. So I, I think ultimately Rhea is going to win, but it's going to be a great showing from Zelina. Fully agree. Uh, then one of the matchups that's getting thrown up, thrown together for what reason, Ken? Reasons. Reasons. Seth freaking Rollins versus Omos. If this isn't a sign that Seth is winning the new belt, I don't know what is. Uh, yeah, this this, this is, makes no sense. It's it's random, but I think what they're trying to do is establish Omos as a real threat. Yeah, and have him in a profile match against Brock definitely raises stock a little mm-hmm. bit. Seth is going to make him look like a million bucks. Yeah, but I think this is just to say like Seth has conquered. You know, another big giant, a la Brock Lesnar. Right. You know, he should be a number one seed for the tourney they're going to do for this belt. Yeah. So this makes sense on that aspect. I do agree. It's thrown together. It's kind of random. But I think they really see a lot of upside in almost. And I think there is some. Oh, I, sure. I really do. I just think he just needs a lot of work because he's he needs, very new to wrestling. Needs some fine tuning. But listen, all this means is Triple H is an almost sapien. Listen, this, this, this is all it means. Uh, if you don't know what that is, Google it. Uh, next matchup we got to talk about is a triple threat matchup where that was announced for the WWE United States Championship with uh, Austin Theory defending his belt against Bobby Lashley and Bronson Reed. Solid triple threat match. Should be good. Very excited about it. Uh, and then also announced is Bianca Belair in a singles matchup for the WWE Raw Women's Championship taking on EO Sky. Uh, obviously, damage control with Bailey and Dakota Kai are going to be in her corner. Well, they'll be doing the breakup. Like Bailey will do yeah, something to cause that. I think yeah. they're already teasing that happening. Yeah. So, uh, and then and probably what? Listen, this is either going to be the co-main or the main. I don't know which. Uh, we'll we'll end up seeing. Is mentioned that Bad Bunny was supposed to host uh, this this whole thing because it is taking from San Juan, uh, Puerto Rico, uh, and he is the most famous artist from Puerto Rico on the planet right now. Uh, but after the antics that have taken place, both at the night after WrestleMania and what happened last night, uh, Monday night on raw, uh, he said, and I quote, I'm no longer hosting, uh, backlash to which I love Damien Priest said, good, stay home. And, and, uh, bad bunny goes, no, I'm going to Puerto Rico to beat your ass in a San Juan street fight. Yeah. 
That's going to be a fun match. Uh, I was kind of surprised they're not doing the mixed ta- or not the mixed tag, but the uh, tag team with him yeah. and Ray against. Yeah. So, uh, but listen, Bad Bunny can wrestle, so I'm yeah, not I'm not mad about this one bit. Bad Bunny can throw a Canadian destroyer. I need to know nothing else. Yeah. Uh, and then again, this is either going to be the co-main or the main. I don't know what the hell they're going to do uh, in a singles matchup. You have Cody Rhodes taking on Brock Lesnar. This will be the main event, probably. Um, honestly, don't know how this is going to go. No, I don't either. I was afraid that once they announced the new belt. I was like, oh, shit, they're, they're going to make this matchup for the, the title, and Cody's going to lose this one just to further that. I'm like, oh, he, he's got to face adversity. And then they announced it's gonna the belt's going to be given out at Night of Champions. I went, oh, thank God, maybe he has a chance now. Yeah, so. Because if this matchup was for the belt, Cody ain't winning. No, I, and I don't think Cody's going to win. I think that's an online theory that he, they're going to give him a belt, but why would you cheapen Mania? Right. That's the problem. You're, you're going to do that if you give him a belt. Right. It's going to go to a heel or Seth Rollins. Like I, I fully think it's going to be Seth. There's right. no question in my mind about that. Right. And then, obviously, as we mentioned, you have the draft coming up starting this Friday on uh, SmackDown on Fox and then finishing on Monday on uh, USA Network. Uh, going to go through some of the names of the folks that are available. Obviously, AJ Styles uh, on hell from Los Lotharios, Angela Dawkins from the Street Profits, Asuka, Austin Theory, Becky Lynch, uh, Bianca Belair, Braun Strowman, Butch, Candice LeRae, Chad Gable, Charlotte Flair, Cody Rhodes, Chelsea Green, uh, Damian Priest, Drew McIntyre, Edge, Elias, Emma, uh, Finn Balor, Giovanni Vinci, uh, Karrion Cross, Carl Anderson, L.A. Knight. Uh, so you got a whole list of guys. Massey is in there. Mia Yim, Montez Ford, MVP is in there. Whole bunch of guys. Sami Zayn, Ronda Rousey. Uh, Ridge Holland, you know, Scarlett, Seth Rican Rollins. So it, it, it truly feels like it, there's nobody off limits for this. It's going to be interesting to see. There's also some rumored NXT call-ups we could be seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the also thing that's getting thrown around today, today in their rumor mill uh, is that we might see brand-exclusive premium live events come back. I think you're going to see that. And I think, you know what, that's not a bad idea, to be honest with you. I don't either. Just make them memorable, <laughs> please, because... I didn't hate the idea the last time around. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, okay, this makes sense. And that kind of made Survivor Series feel all that more special when it was the one time of year you saw them together other than WrestleMania. Yeah. But make it memorable because, honest to God, outside of Ginger winning the title and the greatest pay-per-view name of all time and Great Balls of Fire, I couldn't tell you one memorable thing that happened on a brand-exclusive pay-per-view back then. Make them memorable. No, I'm not saying you have to make every pay-per-view you know, a Mick Foley versus Undertaker Hell in a Cell moment. Mm-hmm. But, like, give me some stuff in there that I'm going to remember a year down the road. They're going to. I think Triple H, is, as the head of creative, and no, Vince is not back. We're not hearing any of that nonsense here. I just want to put that out. Yeah. He's going to definitely make sure that both brands feel special. And he's going to do some things on there that is going to make it worthwhile to check out the said shows. Sure. You know, the only thing I think might hurt him maybe short term is in the ratings, depending on how they load up a roster. Because, sure. I mean, obviously, looking at how the draft is going to go, SmackDown, Roman Reigns is going number one. Yes. I, I don't think that's a that's a question mark. If we're going to do locks and leaps, that's probably the safest lock. That's the have. hardest lock of all time. Listen, I know some folks want Rhea Ripley to go number one, which if Roman wasn't on the run he's currently is, I would absolutely 100% agree with you. Mm-hmm. There ain't no way in God's green earth that SmackDown's good. You know, if we're going kayfabe here. There ain't no way in God's green earth that SmackDown's giving up Roman Reigns. No, there's, there's no chance. There's no chance. The biggest the the biggest star in the business. He's going number one. After that, I mean, it's really wide open. Yeah. Like I don't doubt mm-hmm. that they go Rhea Ripley. 
It could also be the tag team champions. Yeah. Like I say, it yeah. depends on how they want to do it. Like I say, I think SmackDown is going to get the number one pick. I don't know if it's been officially announced. That's going to be the interesting too, thing, too, is what happens with the, the tag team championships because Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn hold both. I, I The easy out could be wherever they're drafted, the other ones get vacated. Yep, and that's what I think is going to happen. So I don't doubt that you have Kevin and Sami staying on Raw and they vacate the belts for yeah, SmackDown, So, yeah, yeah. which will give somebody else a, a chance to do because Triple H is very focused on building up that division. Yeah. Um, and then I think after that, you're going to literally have the women's champions go to the respective brands. They, they'll be the number yeah. two picks no matter what. Yeah, yeah. After that, though, that's where things get interesting. Yeah. Because I think you're going to have Cody Rhodes stay on the other show from Roman. Yeah. And I think they're going to tease stuff. They're yeah. going to build it up, like, for leading into Mania next year. Yeah. Seth, I think, stays with Cody for now. I don't think they're going to put him on the same show with Roman. I just, no. I just don't. No. But... I mean, literally after that, I think it's wide open where you want to go because you do have some people coming back from injury. We know right. AJ Styles is due back soon. Yep, Anderson and Gallows haven't been seen in a hot minute. Right, so I wouldn't doubt that they bring back the club yeah. in some form. Yeah. And then you have to factor in the NXT call-ups. And I know that last night as we record was NXT spring breaking. Mm-hmm. And I know Pretty Deadly was written off TV. Yeah, I wish, which, listen, I'd love... If they weren't dumped in a, in a lake, I would love Tony D'Angelo and his crew to dump them on whatever show they end up on and go, here, they're your problem now. But, well, they got dumped in, the, in an ocean, so that can't happen. I wonder if they would just magically come. Tra- oh, what if they film a vignette where they wash up on shore? Yeah, like, that's what oh, I think they're going to do. Better. I think they're going to do something like that, which, 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 which will be fun. Yeah. Um, And then for anybody else that's a call-up from NXT right now, I do think they're going to add somebody from the women's division. But, but here's the real question mark. Yeah. I don't know who, because if you haven't been watching NXT, that women's division is very stacked from top to bottom. I'm going to say Cora Jade, just because I heard some talk online that she had a dark match on, or no, not a dark match, a main event match on the Hulu show main event with Nikki Cross is what it was. And apparently, mm-hmm. according to reports, it wowed a lot of folks back uh, backstage. Like, And I'm not talking wrestlers. I'm talking like management mm-hmm. that she might be on the fast track and would not be surprised if she gets inserted into the draft on Friday or Monday. Cora would make sense. I mean, because she's not really in a big storyline. Like her and Roxanne Perez had their run and, and that's over. I think they're going to keep down in NXT uh, Carmelo Hayes, obviously. I think after last night, Braun Breaker is staying put. Oh, my God, yeah. I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, I think another one you might see uh, that isn't really getting talked about right now, other than he did make an appearance in a dark match on Monday Night Raw, making an appearance on the main roster and getting called up, Joe Gacy. Gacy could because Gacy could because as we record, uh, his other two faction members in the dyad, uh, formerly known as Grizzled Young Veterans, in uh, Jaeger Reed and Riff Fowler, uh, both of them are waiting out the end of their WWE, or at least one of them is waiting out their contracts. They both are. They both asked for their release. They were both denied their release, so they're going to sit at home until their uh, contracts run out. So Gacy's now just with Ava. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I don't doubt that they get rid of the schism. Yeah, completely. Yeah, I, I think I think Gacy getting a dark match on Raw was kind of like a test for to see how he does. Yeah, and I think he'll be fine. I mean, because we are biased here, though. Well, yeah, yeah, we are biased, and, and I think the reason I say that is if this wasn't a test for him to get a call up, you know, it, if this was any other city, 
you know, this is just, oh, hey, we want to get you some main event work. But no, this dark match took place in Chicago, mm-hmm. where they're a very big wrestling town. Yeah. The, the, if you want to get a test for a guy in NXT outside of the Florida area to see how they do, Chicago is a pretty good place to do it. Yeah, and we've seen we've had the privilege of seeing Joe wrestle here yeah. locally for years. Yeah, so he, he's real good. He, he's ready for that spotlight. So we'd be super happy to see him get signed uh, to a main show. That yeah, is. yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of wide open. I mean, I know the Dragonov has been another name that's been thrown around, and and put I, him on the same show as Walter. It's going to happen. Best of seven. I wouldn't doubt we see him versus Sheamus. Best of seven. Oh, can we get a triple threat? I mean, maybe fatal four way. Add Drew. If, when, depending on what's going on with Drew, because I know there's yeah. a lot of speculation True. going on there. True. But that's the beauty of the draft, though, and especially Triple H running it. And if he's saying this is going to be the biggest ever, I think they're really going to do some crazy things. I think they're going to split the Street Profits up on different shows. Yeah. And I think that's a good move for both of them at this stage. Um, I think Pretty Deadly and Dragonoff are pretty safe bets. I would not doubt the Cora Jade and Gacy come up, too. Could say it. And then after that, I think it just it depends on how you want to plug and play. And then I think that we're going to see an actual general manager uh, that Adam Pierce is on one show, and and maybe yeah. they're going to, maybe they're going to finally give Sonya Deville the other GM spot, and then let them go. Ah, but then you split up her and Chelsea Green, and I don't want that. Right, which I mean, like I say, that's a tough point because you have to put a figure in there somewhere. Yeah. So yeah. we're just going to have to wait and see about this. But there's going to be a lot of talk about the draft going in. To the weekend, obviously, we'll be recapping that next week uh, with a special edition of 607TWS on the ODPH. It might sound confusing, but trust me, Bear, we're going to pull this off because uh, we have something cooked up for that. So in the meantime, though, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the end? Or yeah, I almost said the NFL draft again, but hey, I don't mind hearing about that. The WWE draft, what is your thoughts about that? And what about the matches announced for WWE Backlash? Uh, coming up next week. We definitely want to talk about that. So hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. It's Alan Dunford here from Top Hat Studios, co-writer and co-creator of Pocus Hocus and Grandma Chainsaw, and you guys are listening to the ODPH Podcast. I'm going to be down to the punch because they can't bring me down if I'm already underground. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast pad. What you got? Got a couple things to talk about. Some sports, some entertainment. Uh, we're going to start with the sports stuff first. Uh, I'm going to talk some local minute because looking at the standings for the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, uh, not doing so hot in the standings. They are currently in second to last behind hey. uh, Hartford, New Hampshire, Somerset, and Portland. Uh, those are the affiliates of Colorado, Toronto, the Yankees, and Boston, respectively. Hey, but we're ahead of the Phillies. Uh, but they have a record of seven and eight. Uh, and then looking at their, their schedule they have for this upcoming week, uh, they were supposed to have a game on Sunday against Hartford. However, that was postponed due to inclement weather and will be made up on May the 10th. Uh, they're currently in the midst of a one, two, three, four, five, six game, uh, home series against the Akron, against Akron. Uh, they won their game on Tuesday by the final score of seven to five. Uh, they have a game this upcoming Wednesday, at, uh, this Wednesday, the 26th at six Oh five PM Eastern. Uh, they have a game on Thursday at six Oh, again at six Oh five PM Eastern. Uh, the game on Friday is also at 6.05 p.m. Eastern. Uh, the game on Saturday is at 1.05 p.m. Eastern, uh, and that is Princess and Pirate Night. Uh, and then also hmm. uh, the game on uh, Sunday is at 1.05 p.m. Eastern, and that is one of the Kids Eat Free Sundays, uh, which is sponsored by McDonald's, and that is Come and Enjoy Sundays at Marabito with the entire family uh, on select Sundays throughout the entire season. Kids 12 and under can eat for free. Uh, so definitely a good promotion for the kids if you want to get out and check out a baseball game. Uh, more tickets for tickets, information, and all that good stuff, bingrp.com. 
Uh, so let's stick with some sports stuff. We're going to talk some footy, some soccer, some football for you international listeners. And got to be the best story in soccer history, well, at least the last couple of years. Uh, if you are a fan of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, if you are a fan of all things Deadpool or Ryan Reynolds, you are you might be familiar with their uh, soccer club they purchased a couple of years ago, Wrexham. Yeah. Wrexham AFC, which is the, if I believe, if I remember correctly, the second oldest soccer club on the in the world, uh, where they play at the oldest soccer stadium on the planet. Like, it's, they started playing soccer at the stadium in, like, 1850 or something crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they purchased the team a couple of years ago with the intent of bringing this team, which is in the lowest division of of English professional soccer. So there's there's five leagues, uh, with the Premier League being the top. So that's where your Manchester United's, you know, your Arsenal's, your Liverpool's, okay. that you know, that's where that's where the cream of the crop plays. That's where they go. That's where they are. Yeah. Wrexham was at the literal bottom. You know, mm. they were they were in the English National League and had been there for fifteen years. Hey. Because the way the English and in the uh, English soccer system works, you know, if you're in one of the lower leagues, because lower leagues, not Premier League, you know, if you finish first, you get promoted to the next league up until you eventually make it to the Premier League. However, if you're one of the teams, I think it's like two, sometimes three, uh, in the bottom of the standings of one of these lower leagues, you get what's called relegated. Mm-hmm. So Wrexham had fallen on some hard times and had fallen all the way down to the lowest league 15 years ago. Okay, and had never made it back up since, and and they're the, like the second oldest soccer club, football club in England. In come Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney with the intention of bringing this team up, getting them to the Premier League. No matter how long it takes, they're willing to take decades if this if that's what it takes. They've got a phenomenal documentary series that was on FX. You can watch it on Hulu. It's getting a season two. Spoiler alert: I'm about to spoil the ending for season two, even though it hasn't aired yet. It's a fantastic docuseries. Highly recommend you check it out. But this past Saturday, they were playing in a championship game where if they won, they'd get promoted to their next league. And you know what? They did it. Oh, wow. So the Wrexham AFC has been promoted up to the next league uh, where they will take on some tougher competition. But, hey, it's a good thing for them. It's awesome to see. If you have not checked out the video, the video is all over the Internet. It's, It's awesome to see Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney are in literal tears. You know, watching this team in this town that's, listen, it ain't the biggest town in England, mm-hmm. you know, but it's got a very loyal fan base, and it's awesome to see. No, it definitely is. Like, I've seen the the clip go viral. I wasn't sure exactly what was going on with it because, yeah. I'll be honest, I, I don't really follow soccer. So. Sure. But that was awesome to see just seeing, you yeah. know, any, anytime you can see sports fans celebrate and yeah. erupt. I mean, it, it's it's something crazy. Much like the beloved New York Knicks winning game three. Uh, and they it, shut down seventh half. Yeah, just wait till they clinch the series. If they don't, oh. if they don't win tonight, as we record, they they win Friday. New York yeah. City is going to be wilding, uh, wiling, and wiling. Side, out. No, side note: Shout out to the Boston Celtics fans for doing a certain chant at Trey Young. That's all I'm going to say. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, indeed. Switching to some baseball news and sad news. If you're an Oakland, if you're an Oakland fan. Uh, so reading from an article on yahoosports.com, uh, it says, quote, the Oakland Athletics sad stadium saga took a new turn late last week when team president Dave Caval announced that the A's had signed on to purchase a plot of land for a future ballpark in Las Vegas. It's not a done deal, but given the team, given team owner John Fisher's extended standoff with Oakland city officials and the Coliseum's decay into a possum infested, yes, that's true, sewage splattered mess, the path forward clearly leads to Vegas. 
MLB is behind the A's on the relocation idea. Commissioner Rob Manfred told reporters Monday in a straight-out-of-chat GPT Manfredism that Las Vegas will present a real revenue-enhancing opportunity. Close quote. And sure, opportunity exists, though you could argue that the opportunity has existed in Oakland for years if Fisher were willing to put a little more of his money behind the team. But moving to Las Vegas is far from uh, uh, Pansia. This season, A's 5-18 with a minus 102 run differential, almost twice as bad as that of the next worst MLB team, are an embarrassment. And it's unclear exactly how successfully any baseball team would launch in Nevada, much less a terrible one, close quote. So, listen, the Coliseum's a shithole. Let's let's yeah. not, let's not mince words. The possum thing is not a joke. Uh, I want to say it was yeah, it was the New York Mets were there last week or maybe last week or whatever it was. And uh, Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling and Gary Cohen were not in their normal play by play booth. The visiting play by play booth. They were in a spare one because there is a possum that lives in the wall of the visiting TV stations broadcast booth and it has found it it found its way out it found its way out you can look up the video it found its way out during the angels broadcast and was making its way about in the uh, the visiting team's broadcast booth mm. the coliseum's a shithole it's got possums living in the walls yeah it, it's falling into decay there's been a standoff for 20 years about this i don't disagree with the article though the owner is kind of a jerk off because He's very rich. He's a lot richer than some of the other owners in Major League Baseball. Just for whatever reason, he chooses not to spend his money. I don't know. But unfortunately for the fans of Oakland, they will have lost their third professional sports team in five years. Man, They lost the Raiders. They lost Golden State. They're going to about to lose the Oakland Athletics. And I'm willing to bet they will not see another professional sports team again. Because, oh, probably not. Because if the Oakland Athletics, who have been there for I don't know how eons. long. Eons. Decades are not able to get a new stadium from the city for whatever reason. There's there's a lot of them. Why the hell would any other sports team or franchise go in there? It's a sad thing about sports because when it's on a professional level, we forget it's a business. And that's where money takes over a lot of things. I feel very bad for the fans of Oakland. Yeah. I really do. Like they're they've always been a very passionate fan base. And to see them lose another franchise, like, yeah, that's it's over. They've been in Oakland since 1968. Yeah. So once the A's leave, and it's going to happen. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm not wishing it. I'm not celebrating it by any means. But it's it's a sad thing when any team, any city loses their team. Yeah. You know, I, I saw this happen when Cleveland left, you know, to go yeah. to Baltimore. And yeah. then look what happened. They won a Super Bowl with yeah. Baltimore. So, you know, there's that. Seattle. Yeah. And how long did they lose, you know. Jesus. The Sonics, and then went to Oklahoma City, and yeah. then you know, and so forth. It's 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 tough where it happens, and seeing this happen, like it just mm-hmm. it reminds you, you know, to appreciate your team while you have them, no matter how good yep. or bad they are. Yep. Uh, and then switching to some entertainment news, uh, we got our first first official trailer for season three of The Witcher. This will, of course, be the final season with uh, Henry Cavill as the title character of Geralt the Witcher. After that, uh, Liam Hemsworth is going to take over the role, and we'll see what the hell happens with that. Uh, but nonetheless, they are splitting the season into two volumes, it appears like, with the first set of episodes set to drop on June 29th, and then the second volume, which is the other half of the episodes, dropping on July 27th. I'll say this. I'm going to watch it. 
I know fans of the books and diehard fans of, of the franchise aren't that big of fans because it differentiates and it deviates from the source material. Mm. I've been a fan of enough stuff that is drawn from source material, you know, comics, books, video games and whatnot, that that doesn't really bother me. Yeah. Is there certain, is there some stuff I wish I could have seen make the translate on the, on the big screen or television screen? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really hang up on me that like, oh, this wasn't a word for word adaptation of the, of the book. No. I mean, it, it's an adaptation. It, you know, some stuff's going to change you know has it been perfect no you know but i've still enjoyed it i'm gonna give it a watch you know after that we'll see you know um henry cavill's been great as as Geralt in my opinion you know but when it comes to liam hemsworth taking over the role yeah wait and see for me you know i'm not saying no but i'm saying we'll see yeah i i can hear you on that i've i've kind of fell off the show personally sure but yeah, seeing them do a switch at lead actors, that's that's always tough. Yeah. Always tough. And then in some news I did not see coming, uh, we're getting a James Bond reality show. What? Yeah, so this is coming from the official 007 website, so this is about as official as it gets. Uh, and the headline reads, Brian Cox to appear in 007's Road to a Million. Uh, so the article reads, quote, Emmy and Golden Globe winning Scottish actor Brian Cox, currently on screens as Logan Roy in Succession has been cast as the controller, the enigmatic character who controls the fate of contestants in 007's Road to a Million. 007's Road to a Million will see contestants competing in teams of two on a global adventure to win the ultimate prize of up to one million pounds, filmed in iconic Bond locations from the Scottish Highlands to Venice and Jamaica. The cinematic format will be a test of intelligence, endurance, and heroism. In addition to conquering obstacles, the contestants who will compete in two-person teams must correctly answer questions hidden in the different locations around the world to advance to the next challenge. The controller reveals the in, reveals in, in the increasingly difficult journeys and questions the contestants must overcome. He has millions of pounds to give away, but he doesn't make it easy. Whilst he lurks in the shadows, he is watching and controlling everything. Brian Cox said, quote, I got to see how ordinary people would cope with being on a James Bond adventure as they travel the world to some of the most iconic Bond locations. It gets more intense and nail-biting. I enjoyed my role as both villain and tormentor with license to put hopeful participants through the mangle, close quote. 007's Road to a Million is a unique collaboration between Amazon Studios, Eon Productions, 72 Films, and MGM Television. The unscripted series will launch exclusively on Prime Video later this year, close quote. This hmm. sounds awesome. It sounds crazy. It sounds yeah. crazy. It sounds like a uh, Amazing Race. If you've ever seen that on CBS, if you haven't, basically it's a set of like 12, 13, 14, whatever it is, teams of two that go around the world, have to solve clues. And at the end of the race, if you're the last team, if you're the first team to cross the finish line, you win the million pounds. It sounds like that, but with the ad- the added uh, twist of, hey, there's a bad guy looking to make your life a living hell. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm interested. I'm interested too. Yeah, especially some of those Bond locations. I'm thinking of some, especially you know, uh, Man with the Golden Gun, mm-hmm. Goldeneye, Skyfall. You know, Doctor No. If you could go some of the locations from Doctor No, that'd be awesome. Oh. I'm all for that. Yeah, this definitely looks dope. All right, so it's comic book pick time. But before we get into it, there, I just want to kind of let some people know in case you did not hear. This is coming right from Marvel Comics. Uh huh. So Marvel Comics app. Now, that's operated by Comixology. Uh, any app purchases that you have are there are going to be moving to Marvel Unlimited. Okay. So, according to the news article on Marvel.com, quote, the Marvel Comics app operated by Comixology will be shutting down on June 2nd, 2023. 
So there are some details coming with this, um, which basically is they will be making digital comics purchases made prior to May 2nd on the Marvel Comics app accessible on the Marvel Unlimited app. Mm. If you have stuff on this app, um, you're going to need to transfer it over to a different account is what it's kind of coming off as okay. to go back to the article of quote May 2nd Marvel Comics will no longer be able to purchase uh, be able to be purchased on the Marvel Comics app digital redemption codes may be redeemed and Marvel Unlimited via marvel.com slash redeem May 2nd as well digital comic purchases made prior to May 2nd will be made available and accessible on the Marvel Comic Marvel Unlimited app June 2nd the Marvel Comics app will be shut down you must link your Marvel Comics app to a Marvel account before this date to have digital comic libraries available and accessible on the Marvel Unlimited app. Uh, if you so basically, if you use the Marvel Comics app that's being shut down, you should have received an email about this. Yes, because I did, and I'll admit, I forgot I used that thing. Mm-hmm. Years, year, I haven't used it in years. I've, I've used it years and years ago. So I was like, "What the fuck is this? I don't remember using this." And then I did. If you follow that email and then you follow the instructions in the email and the links and whatever else, that should help you out and get you set up for what you need to do. Absolutely. So make sure to go hit up that article. They do have links uh, around there too. Check your emails too if you're signed up on that app. I got my notification, so I definitely want to make sure I'm on top of that because I obviously I get my digital stuff. I go to the comic shops. I'm an avid reader, so I want to make sure I'm not missing out on anything. So this is kind of big news if you are doing uh, your comics through there because obviously you don't want to be cut off from them. Mm-hmm. Speaking of comics, Pad, you got some picks to kick us off? I do. Uh, all, uh, most of them Marvel, but one Dynamite. Uh, so from the Marvel side of things, you've got uh, Captain America, Symbol of Truth, uh, issue number 12. Uh, this is Cold War Part 2. Uh, so definitely going to be checking this out. Uh, from the Dynamite side of things, you have Gargoyles, issue number 5 from Greg Weissman. Uh, loving the Gargoyle stuff, especially because Greg Weissman, the series creator, is involved. But that's not the only Gargoyles we're getting. No. Uh, it was announced by the folks over at Dynamite a couple, about a week ago or so. Uh, reading from an article on ComicsBeat.com, it says, quote, Dynamite announced today an exciting new miniseries event that will continue to expand their hit comic, Disney's Gargoyles. Gargoyles Dark Ages will feature a journey into the past and the Manhattan clan's origin story, thanks to franchise creator Greg Weissman. Fans have known for years that beloved characters like Goliath, Hudson, Brooklyn, Lexington, Broadway, and more can trace their history back to Scotland over a thousand years ago. Some moments have been mentioned, but never shown in as much depth as will be seen in this upcoming miniseries. Weissman is joined by artist Drew Moss uh, from Vampirella, Red Sonja, and Copperhead, and letterer Jeff Eckleberry. The book also offers a perfect entry point for newcomers to the franchise and comic series, close quote. Uh, so the article is going to, or not the article, the uh, series is going to be dropping on in sometime in July of this year. Uh, but hey, it's going in, there are some certain, some stuff, uh, if you've seen the show, uh, if you haven't, it's on Disney Plus, it's three seasons, season three, <laughs> watch at your own risk. Yeah. It's not that good. Uh, but no, I'm super excited for anything more Gargoyles, and especially if you start div- delving into some of the other stuff, which... Let's face it, spoiler alert, but it came out all those years ago. Uh, the first episode, you don't really see too much of what happened in the past, and then it's kind of sprinkled out throughout the rest of the, the seasons. You flash out that backstory, I'm all here for it. Uh, and then some of the other comic picks, both of these Marvel, Star Wars, The High Republic, Quest of the Jedi. This from Claudia Gray, who is a fantastic author, and, and he's getting her own comic series. And then lastly, and certainly not leastly, this is my pick of the week. This is the one you need to go fucking pick out if you're going to pick out anything this week. Star Wars, Darth Vader, black, white, and red. Ooh. Issue number one of four. This is from Jason Aaron. Description of this reads, <clears throat> and I quote, The Dark Lord of the Sith, like you've never seen him before. 
Following the successful Black, White, and Red series produced by Marvel Comics, Darth Vader now takes the spotlight for Tales of Terror by some of the industry's most talented creators. Peach Mumiko will spin a story only she can bring to life, plus the return of Jason Aaron to the world of Star Wars with part one of his Vader tale spanning all four issues. This is going to be fucking nuts. The cover of this has Darth Vader in a kneeling position with his right hand holding his lightsaber up and he's got his helmet off. That don't happen that often. No, it doesn't. <laughs> oh, this is going to be real good. This looks wild. I am totally in for this. Definitely got to check this out. I mean, like I said, you can't go wrong. Jason Aaron back on Star Wars. Hell yeah. So my picks. All right. Now, Pat, I know you will not read this. Nope. Because it's horror. Nope. It's intense. Uh, it is World Tree. Number one, Image Comics, James Tynan, Fernando Blanco. So the synopsis, and I'm quoting, in 1999, Gabriel and his friends discovered the Undernet, the secret architecture to the Internet. They charted their exploitations on a message board called World Tree. Then they lost control. Someone broke into World Tree. Someone welcomed the violent hold the Undernet had on them and at great personal cost. Gabriel and the others thought they sealed it away forever, but they were wrong. This issue... I'm going to stress is a very, very intense. This is not meant for younger readers in any stretch of the imagination. It is a very mature reader's book. It, like I say, it's going, it could possibly, you know, upset you in certain ways. So just given that fair warning, it's a great read though. Uh, the story is absolutely freaking wild. And I'm not trying to overemphasize that by any stretch of the imagination. I had to read it, and I was like, oh, my God, like, what did I just read? Like, that's how intense it is. So if you're looking for something mature readers, it's a great book to pick up. But like I say, it's very intense. They do not hold anything back when they're unleashing the violence. I'm just going to put that out there right now. But that being said, that was not the only pick, Pat. There is one that I think you might like. You're in the jazz, right? Yes. So coming out of... Image Comics and Black Market Narrative. Uh-huh. Now, we know them from the Massiverse, but this yes. has nothing to do with the Massiverse. Deep Cuts, number one, Kyle Higgins and Joe Clark. Okay. Um, and like I say, we know them from Radiant Black, obviously, are now doing a six-issue miniseries uh, showing the evolution of jazz. Hey! So cool. they, they start in, in 1917 New Orleans yeah. and take you on a, uh, an adventure along a young musician who's trying to make his break in the Ooh. New Orleans scene. It's a great read. I really enjoyed this. And like I say, this is something that if you're into jazz music at all, like you see the power of jazz come through and like, you know, how hypnotic it is. And you see the journey of the young musician and what he's, you know, willing to do to get to where he is and the, you know, the people he comes across the way. Like I say, it's a very smartly written book. I really, you know, enjoyed it. Can't stress it enough. Like I say, it's six issues, I believe. And it's definitely going to be one of my pull lists. Like, this is something that I just thought was totally cool, top to bottom. And especially if you're into jazz music, which, I mean, let's face it, jazz influences so much. How could you not be? Uh, also, Image Comics, too. I didn't get a chance to do a full blog on this, but Local Man number three. That story is just getting better and better. If you're a fan of old school Image Comics, they do uh, pay homage to it in the story of the uh, disgraced hero from the most popular superhero group on the planet uh, gets further and further messy, and it's all just amazing from top to bottom. So can't stress that one enough. Also, from our friends over at Boom Studios, this is Bittersweet, Pad. Yeah. You want to know why it's Bittersweet? Why is that? One of my favorite series uh, wrapped up its second arc, and it's not coming back until July. Oh. Which makes me sad. But 
trust me, uh, I will be waiting on anticipation when it comes back. And fingers crossed, putting the karma out to the universe. We will be talking with Stephanie Phillips on the ODPH about this and hopefully some other things. Putting that karma out in the universe. Grim number 10 has hit the shelves. So Stephanie Phillips, Flaviano, Rico Renzi, and Tom Napoliano. Um, or Napolito, I'm sorry. I apologize for butchering the name. Uh, listen, the story of Jessica Haro is just cool. It's a vibe. It's an energy. It's just amazing. Uh, can't stress it enough. Like I, I love this book, and I think it's one of the best books on the shelves each and every time it comes out. Cliffhanger ending definitely throws you for a curveball, and uh, the second story arc has just been absolutely insane. I can't stress this book enough. Like This is just a whole vibe. It's an energy. It is just it just reeks of just cool. And like I say, it's going to be a long wait till July, but I was happy to hear that it is coming back for uh, another story arc. Cause like I say, it's just the coolest. And I like, I will stress this time and time again, go check this out. Go check out a lot of independent comics. They got, there's a so many great series going out right now, along with the big two. I know green arrow. Number one is hitting shelves this week too. Oh, so okay. that's going to be one to keep an eye out for. And as we always say, make sure to go support your local comic shops, wherever they're at. And especially next week, too, because we may have a special guest in studio, Pad, mm. because you know what next week is. Free comic book day. Yes. So stay tuned for that next week. But where do you find out about all that information, Pad? ODPHpodcast.com. That's right. For anything and everything that is the ODPH, you go to the website and you can find it there. So we'll definitely have some stuff posted if we land a, a few guests to come on next week. And note I said plural because we're still ironing out a date of a guest right now but uh if you're on our patreon you know who that is and you know what book is coming out from them next week so if you want to find out about that you got to sign up for the patreon and like we say odphpodcast.com that's it for this week so for the one and only padawan j fuck the astros i'm your host kind thank you as always listen to the odph podcast better known as the ocho duro parlay hour see you next time Cause they can't break